Howdy and welcome to episode 413 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparos, coming to you from the Austin Cook Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, patreon.com slash laser time if you want to get in on the studio naming action. Who else is joining me? Ooh, 3DS fan Chris Antista. And... <laughs> Uh, I guess I'm a 3DS ambassador. I have some free games to prove it, Matthew Allen. And special guest. Yeah, I'm also a 3DS <laughs> ambassador. Micah Seth. Hell yeah. Think, are we are we all part of the 3DS ambassador program? We are. AKA suckers. The suckers who paid more for this thing at launch. I, as, as I will point out, technically, given what Nintendo has charged for those games before and now, that is the most they've ever given anyone for anything. It yep. is it is an incredible yeah. value. It's much better than the five dollars off your next Nintendo purchase that we all yep. got in like nineteen ninety or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's not great, but it was it was something. And mm. oh man, because uh, we're, we're going to talk uh, about Monster Hunter though, right? Tell me, we talk about Monster no, Hunter. there's no, there's no. Reason Come on, to talk about Monster it's all Hunter. Balan Wonderworld. <laughs> Nobody likes Monster Hunter. Come on, uh, that's, it's only the most popular here. game in the world right now. Probably yeah, right. Probably um, my game of the year. But y- well, 3DS was the platform that actually got me truly into Monster yeah, Hunter. Yeah, that was where That's it really what... took off, arguably. That's why I'm yeah. so excited about it in our top five concerns, um, which Michael stupidly let me put together. Yes, it's all uh, your fault. <laughs> it's it's going to be a, a weird one because it is the top five ways the 3DS almost failed. And yeah, it's, it, it was such a smashing success through most of its lifespan that it's easy to forget it had a really rocky launch. It's, it's first year, every, every detail of its first year is how consoles fail, and it is bizarre that it Yeah, well, I think, too, when you're comparing with, like, Nintendo had massive successes with the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, and then the DS itself, like, huge sale, like some of their highest-selling systems of all time. So then there were huge expectations for 3DS, and it stumbled out of yeah. the gate. Which, yeah, but my, my favorite thing about it is just like I, I was a grown man in the games industry, and they revealed the model at E3, and it's kind of the most. The, it, I got the most res, like inquiries from people also in the games industry who weren't allowed to touch one for whatever reason, mm. asking me like, "How the fuck is this possible? How is this even possible?" <laughs> the the hype was huge for the 3DS, so it was actually shocking that it didn't do well out the gate. Uh, I was at that E3, and yeah. I got to play it there on the show floor. I was at that Me press too. conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, um, I, I had my superiors and like people I've revered in the games industry. Like, what? How is it even possible? Is this a myth? Does it mm-hmm. does it even work? Like, yeah, the 3D fucking works. And like, even trying to describe it now, like. No one else has done that. Yeah, I still we don't understand. A, like, wait, how did that work? <laughs> well, they just, they, uh, they, there's a screen inside your 3DS mm-hmm. that behaves like polarized lenses, and they yeah. broadcast two displays. It's not terribly dissimilar to how current VR works, mm-hmm. but uh, but just the idea that they did it with without VR, with no glasses, uh, is still pretty impressive. And 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 it's in the name, but it like it, and it you know as we'll talk about it didn't end up being the most impressive thing about the system by a long shot. Yeah. No. It's it's such a relic of its time too because this was when like we were seriously flirting with 3D in home entertainment with like 3D televisions like that was a thing like you guys went to those E3s I went to both those E3s and those CESs yes, where yeah. all you could see were like 3D televisions but I do yeah. remember the, the the E3 where Sony was like check out our proprietary 3D television and how good Resistance 3 looks on it remember <laughs> Resistance no you don't hey I, I have to appreciate the restraint for not calling it Resistance 3D yeah. come on or Resistance. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, yeah, Nintendo <laughs> Nintendo showed no, no such restraint. Yeah. No, everything was 3D. Uh, but like the the failure of the 3DS, like I'll be honest, it does not stick out that much in my mind, and I don't know that it did at the time either because I don't know oh, if it, you guys remember the DS also took a while to get off the ground. Like yes. for a long time, the only thing really worth playing on that was that uh, Kirby Canvas Curse game. Yeah. If I'm going to get ahead of myself, and it's a spoiler I don't really have, it's like, I think things really kicked off with the next model of 3DS and DS. Once the DS Lite came out, mm. everything turned around for Nintendo. Right. Once the, the 3DS XL came out and the hardware got better, everything turned around. It's that weird... The, the launch system itself is part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything the last couple generations of handheld systems taught us, it's like... Never buy the first version of a Nintendo handheld, which is like kind of like the Switch sort of did that because they have that weird, I'd call it the Switch 1.1, where they like tripled the battery life just out of nowhere. It's yeah. just like, but like, I've done a lot of research on this. Cannot wait to talk about it with you guys. Well, and you, you wrote an article about this way back in the day, didn't you, Chris? I did. And that, that is, that is because I managed to find my fucking notes from 10 years ago. And it was just, <laughs> if I may give a behind the scenes, it was. The, you know, behind the scenes, Michael and I are working in a, a, at an editorial outlet talking about gaming, and we just had a complete like uh, turnover at the top. So there's all these people coming in who, you know, some of them had worked on the internet before, and some of them haven't. And it was Michael. I'm not trying to throw anybody to the bus, but it was like it was rocky, was it not? Yeah. And they were brainstorming like, what can we possibly do? And it was like I I remember feeling insulted, like. You're wondering yourself through a process that we have we already do. We know how to <laughs> we know how to pitch articles to one another and and talk our way through this. And it, it was a bunch of talk and then like, well what if we did things that like the 3DS could do to improve itself? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like and I had been writing them the whole time. So in that dunderheaded meeting, I had written an article for these people who didn't think any of us had could write articles. That's our. That's how. That's how I remember feeling. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that's what it was, but I was also uh, uh, stubborn and uh, yeah, younger. So I have to ask: when you found your ten year old notes, did it have the little like weird S in the margins? Yes. You know that S. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it coming soon. Uh, Activision's Guitar Hero Metallicar. Didn't, cool. Couldn't, yeah. cool. <laughs> and, and the article and itself practice is, practice drawing anime eyes a lot in the we, margins there. Have and, we said exactly why we're talking about this? That we we yeah, have just passed the ten year anniversary for the 3ds launch of this very rocky launch we're going to talk about. And, and it's it's been quietly discontinued, I believe, as far as mm. manufacture goes. But I saw one the other day for sale, new. So the 3ds is still kicking ten years later, and only Nintendo has been able to, and and the PS2, but. With its handhelds, it's just a bizarre life for a Nintendo handheld. A decade. That's an insane lifespan for a console. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I, I, yeah, but I wanted to go back to the 10 years ago when Nintendo fans like me were very critical and there were some very serious problems that Nintendo did not address. And people weren't rooting for it to fail, but it was just like, everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You're ruining your. <laughs> Are you getting? Are you gonna like sacrifice this foothold in the handheld industry that'll exist forever? Obviously, it is. It's also kind of the last Nintendo handheld. That's why I'm also nostalgic for it, um, mm. given what the Switch is. But yeah. sorry, I'm babbling. L less dedicated handheld, you can say. Yes. I mean, Switch Lite is a handheld. It's dedicated. No, that's you true. can't. That's true. You can't play it. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is what. What are we talking about? <laughs> that's just another portable with a lot of the same problems, but. <laughs> 
Uh, and it doesn't switch. That's the thing. It's it's just the Nintendo single purpose. <laughs> it's got the wrong name. It's like the 2DS. It's the 2DS of its time. The Nintendo Static. That's what yeah. it should be called. <laughs> Instead of the snap, like when they advertise it, they just have a hand stop oh, yeah. somebody. Like, no, 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 we don't do that here. Actually, if they had called it the Nintendo Snap, I would have considered buying one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. All right. Let's well, get into this. yeah, let's let's get into this right after this. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 30 2010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two. Over at patreon.com slash lasertime, we've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. It is the launch of Bart Simpson versus the Space Mutants. One oh, of man. the worst games I have ever played. Terrible. It's, it, it's terrible in a different way because, like, you get a lot of the YouTube snark over the first level, which is... And it was basically just a parody of They Live, yeah. which I didn't understand at the time. I didn't get it all. And once you get past that original level, it's just a shitty, shitty, oh, shitty yeah. side-scroller with no gimmick at all. Do we know the story? Is this one of those things where they had a different game and then they just threw a Simpsons skin over it to capitalize on, I, on the fad? Or? I don't think so, but it is the first one from acclaim. But what I do like pointing out is that everything in the game, such as the importance of the space mutants, is all based on season one Simpsons horseshit. Yes, and 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 this this game, like it even puts it on the box because technically, in terms of Simpsons references, McBain hasn't hasn't been mentioned. Bart doesn't have a ton of friends. Lisa has no friends. We don't. We may not even know the name of her teacher. I would say the 18th most famous Simpsons thing, <laughs> the Space Mutants, and uh, this game reflects that. And it's about all you'd have to remember that. It kind of had those like proto Kodos and Kings. Right. That was like they had arms and legs and one eye, and they would show up like at the beginning and when you died. Development uh, obviously started before the second season of The Simpsons because yeah. there's no Kodos and Kings. So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yeah! And we're back to talk about what? Ooh, top five ways the 3ds almost failed, and I just because don't I love you believe guys. it. It did have it did happen. I have a little intro, but because Michael's reminded me, oh yeah, I need to get sound effects. Whoops, a daisy. Hmm. But just to bring you back, and I didn't remember. I, I like I had a hard time remembering off the top of my head what this sounded like. The subtle 3DS startup, whereas everything else, every other handheld and system, kind of kicked off with a bang and a whoosh. 3DS is like ah. The startup noise um, yep. of the 3DS. Nintendo has, like, slowly gone... I miss the Nintendo, like, personality in our UI days. Like, we we shop music and stuff. And, like, yeah, the 3DS was, was pretty subtle, you know, yeah. compared mm -hmm. to previous generations. It, 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 I think that was one of its, its biggest draws is that it was... The layout and uh, UI was, like, clean and aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. it, like, I remember Brett did a... a episode of VG Empire about mute shop themes just because Nintendo always has like a delightful bit of shopping music yeah. like that, that you well, want to hear like that you would 
you know, when you picture yourself like, I have all the money in the world, I'm going to go shopping. You need montage music, and Nintendo always gave it to you, and it was a pleasant experience to shop in the worst shop of all time. But hold on, <laughs> if I can introduce this, we're going back to 2011 to talk about the top five ways Nintendo almost failed. The 3DS launched uh, March 25th on uh, 2011 and a little earlier in Japan in February. I think it might have been 27th, um, but go on. I, well, I think it was whatever. It's it's. I had 25th. And I think it has it ceased manufacturing as of September 2020. So that is a good long lifespan for the 3DS. Yeah. Uh, and the story we know now is that the 3DS was a fantastic little machine. It's it, I've had some of my, I think my favorite, mostly because of Monster Hunter and Street Pass. And I, I don't mean just the Street Pass games, like some of the features in the first party Nintendo games. I've had the most fun with a portable system with a 3DS. But it wasn't always that way. It's Nintendo's follow-up to its Nintendo DS, the second best-selling video game console of any kind of all time. The Nintendo DS sold over 150, 155 million units in the, the DS family, and in the, the 3DS would go on to sell a similarly like impressive but halved 75 million, half of its predecessor, yet still more than the NES, Super Nintendo, and Xbox One. The 3DS has outsold all of those systems. So how do you feel? I just thought that was odd to think about. The 3DS outsold the NES and Super Nintendo. It's home, wild that uh, it is just literally uh, home half consoles, the DS. Home consoles just don't do as well for Nintendo as their handhelds. Yeah, yeah their, their yeah. handhelds. And, and, uh, yeah. Like, uh, and the GBA didn't get as long of a lifespan. They killed it off to bring out the DS pretty pretty soon, right? GBA only got four years. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it wasn't that Not, not even four years, right? But, um, but yeah, that you think about it, uh, is this, this had like the Game Boy's longevity almost in that it, it yeah. spanned three different Nintendo home consoles. It, yeah. It began uh, in like, the Wii era, continued through Wii U and into Switch. And, and, and just to put, put some of this in perspective, like, so now we're back in 2011. It's a few months into the launch of the 3DS. And the 3DS has sold, I think, in the first quarter, 700,000 units, which it fell well short of Nintendo's expectations. And I only got that stat for comparison. I read an article from 2020 that said the nine months previous, uh, the 3DS had sold 620,000 copies, almost the same amount as it did in its launch window. Wow. And, that, and that's, uh, that's the 3DS being sold up against a PS3 to a, CD, uh, a 3DS sold in a year we're expecting the PS5. That's that's ridiculous. For, it's a very long lifespan for a console. So with all that in mind, I'm going to get into the... Um, I wanted to get into... If you were paying attention very early and you were a Nintendo fan and maybe you were sick of their bullshit or <laughs> maybe you're like, this isn't worth it. Uh, the 3DS had a huge struggle. I, uh, if you read articles around that time, um, the Nintendo executives came out in like a, some public stockholders meeting and bowed for like two minutes straight. And like, I don't know much about Japanese bowing, but it's what you do to express shame. And the longer and lower you do it, the more ashamed you are. And it was all of them just like, my bad. Uh, Satoru Iwata cut his salary in half by 50% Jesus. this year. And which is one of those reasons people love him. Like, yeah, we had a bad year and I'm going to take the hit too. And, and just, yeah, good guy. And, and notably he did that in order to avoid layoffs, which yeah. is one of those, those can, reasons everyone can, can loved. Can anybody at Activision right. even imagine that? <laughs> no, they would just take their $20 million bonus and walk away. It was, away it was a $200 million bonus. I'm trying to put a fourth okay, story on my pool. 
<laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing. Someone, no people. People would do that because um, American executives aren't really paid with their salaries. They're all. It's almost all right. stock, and so they'd be yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm cutting my my salary in half because it's only you know a tiny fraction of what I actually make mm. this year." So. My liquidity. But uh, mm-hmm. but yes, we're, so basically the top five is we're going back to a time we are skeptical and shitting all over the 3DS. But uh, again, happy ending uh, as we move into 2020. But we can start off with... You got a happy enough. ending with yours? I do. <laughs> Shit. I do. Yeah, got to start with, paying uh, for collector's editions, man. That 3DS Ambassador Club was way better up here in San Francisco, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's all about how you shut the lid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... <laughs> But the top five ways the 3DS almost failed miserably, starting with number five. Number five. That is, if you can't tell what that is, that is the the notification sounds of other devices, something Nintendo had not had to deal with. And I should say, just because I didn't want to argue with Michael about it, I'm starting out with the most significant reasons the 3DS almost failed. Just so we can get those out of the way to talk about the smaller ones instead of, I hate it when I'm doing a a list and like, don't talk about that yet. (laughs) These are the most significant reasons the 3DS failed. And if you look at handheld history, Nintendo had the playing field all to itself for a very, very long time. There's almost a... I, I read that the Game Gear was discontinued in 1997, but I can assure you, I don't remember ever talking about the Game Gear after, like, 1994. Like, at all. Are you saying that the mobile market, is that the, were those notifications from mobile devices? Because mobile those, gaming almost took over? You have, to, you have to consider, up until this point, people, especially people our age, and I'm saying when we're in our 30s, we don't have mobile devices. We don't, we, we, for a lot of that period, we didn't have Palm Pilots or, uh, what's the other one? The pick, the, the pre, the pre, what am I thinking of? Uh, the, the thing that happened right before iPhone. But Nintendo, but it doesn't matter because like Nintendo didn't have any competition in the handheld market and didn't have a competition in the smartphone market. That didn't exist. Smartphone games were so lame prior to the iPhone. It was like, hey, you could play Snake. Or the yeah. slot Snoo- machine or game. A well, bunch yeah. of unlicensed snoods. Yeah, I still remember, uh, like, back in the you, early... You guys didn't have an N-Gage? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I got one off the free table at work, like, years after they were defunct. Wow. <laughs> wow. Our, our old co-worker, Christian Nutt, is the yeah. uh, the figurehead of side-talking. with yep. the Side-talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, like, I'm, I'm remembering, like, speaking of the N-Gage, that there was that weird period where the Game Boy Advance was still dominant and a bunch of people yeah. in the industry apparently said, like, Wait, we can have miniaturized technology that does actual 3D games. We could beat Nintendo at their own game. And so yeah. we got, we got N-Gage. We got, um, what's the one by the, the Swedish Mafia? The, um, M- Modo? G- uh, Gizmondo. Gizmondo. The Gizmondo. Gizmondo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> Swedish Mafia. Yes. That is actually these are all yeah, meatballs and all massage really, like, parlors. There, there's a ton of photos of that dude's like burnt up Lamborghini that he crashed, like <laughs> the CEO of Gizmondo. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but the the reality is Nintendo had no significant competition in the portable device market. Uh, at the all. Tapwave Zodiac. I'm just kidding. Nobody <laughs> nobody even remembers that one. But it's just like the Game Gear, the Lynx, uh, the the Tiger, the Game dot com. Like they're all God. footnotes in history. It was just for 20 years. It was Nintendo steamrolling everybody. And yeah. all of a sudden, they enter the market in 2011. The iPhone is four years old. The PSP comes out in 2005. And for the first time ever, Nintendo does not. There there are legitimate competitors uh, in the console market. And I, I I remember people being a little skeptical 
uh, about why do I why do I need this? Why do I need this thing? Uh, this expensive little device. And this is also at the time if you God, I, feel, I can't believe I'm nostalgic for this. Where your your cell provider your cell provider was paying for a portion. Of, your bill was paying for a portion of the device. You put like two hundred dollars down and get a new iPhone. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Now yeah. you got to pay it all up front or or like uh, forever. But like iPhone, like rather rather brilliantly. Like what did I have written down? They they Trojan horsed their their device gaming into the, into people's hands with a device they already needed. Everybody, the reality was everybody already needed a phone, and now you're basically getting a top tier gaming device with bad controls and distribution but like you're everyone is now capable of gaming in a way i hadn't seen since the ps2 uh brought dvd players in everyone's house with the ability to play new ps2 games uh but the the psp is over five years old and um the thing the thing i remember about it unlike nintendo's platform the psp for better or for worse was about bringing the playstation experience portable Mm -hmm. 3d games Big, yeah. big games. Yeah. Sequels to big games. Uh, entries we never thought we'd be able to put in our hands. The PSP is doing that. And it didn't really put up a ton of competition to the 3DS. But, I don't know, Michael, you were you were on the Sony guy at the time. Like, sure. It was something you had to weigh. Which one, which one do I want? Do I want a portable device in the PlayStation? How many portable devices? I just, we never had to live in a world where we had to think about an adult or child backpack with more than three yeah. Handheld consoles. Right. Well, I and, think I think what it was is like the the DS, non, the non 3DS, just the DS itself. It could technically do 3D or not 3D, th- not 3D like 3D, but like you know 3D games, polygons. Yeah. But it was not great at it. it the it, DS you know, was like the Nintendo 64 if it were a handheld. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot yeah. Of ports but on that but thing. the 3DS really made 3D games shine on that platform. It's like okay, now now it can compete, and because for a while there, though, Sony did have that edge in terms of like. Yeah, a handheld like a console playing yeah. your you know polygonal 3D games. The PSP or the Vita are the place to do it. You, you are you are bringing your PlayStation with you everywhere you go. Where Nintendo's marketing like this other little system with exclusive games that don't interact with your home consoles at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and and whereas iPhones, which by the way, like I have never I, I have a lot of console numbers bouncing around, sale numbers bouncing around in my head, but no iPhone. 2.2 billion iPhones have been sold, so they've significantly blown all the consoles out of the water. You can add up the first uh, to the top ten highest selling consoles, and they don't equal an iPhone. And but people have iPhones, and especially and, and that's. Something I wanted to talk about because we were, you know, if you remember being in the games industry or the editorial industry at the time, like how many conversations did we have to have about seriously covering iPhone games? Because now there are more gamers than ever and none of them seem to understand why the 3DS should exist. Do you remember that? Well, that's, but what, it, that's the era see, that, I'm talking that about. just betrays like a lot of editors lack of understanding of player segments. Yeah. Like we, we joke all the time, like oh, mobile games aren't real games. There's a reason we make that joke is it's we we are a different player segment and granted every once in a while mobile will get what you would might refer to as like a core game but like Chris mentioned the controls are usually pretty shit so I'm not going to play it there if anywhere like I remember Micah you like it was like sacrilege where I played what was that that rhythm game that had the really cool oh, you played Sayonara Wild Hearts I played on, Sayonara on your Wild phone. Hearts on mobile and you're like why would you play it there of all places? you're like this that game is not that cool and I'm like uh, that blew my mind because it's like no that <laughs> This game is the epitome of cool. What are you talking about? But but, but it's it's like so like yeah, it you can't combine just like oh yeah iPhone gamers and, and iPhone 
it's weird. Like, it has been a successful game platform kind of in spite of Apple's behavior. Because, like, Steve Jobs was notorious for, like, not really pushing games. It was, like, a thing he... Almost you could tell he kind of felt like he grew out of games because he got his start in games. And, like, it's like, you know, to Apple's credit, they're kind of agnostic to the stuff that goes on their platforms because they they have more to worry about than just games. But if you look at, like, Apple's financials a significant chunk yes. like percentage wise of their revenue is now coming from games where they they almost had to pay attention to it because it's like oh shit well yeah this if this went away we would we'd lose a big chunk of our revenue and, and you point. you also have to remember like I, I i don't think iphone was prioritizing games but like we were in 2011 we're still in this world of you need to license exclusive psp vita nintendo cartridges and you have to pay for those up front Whereas iPhones, like, yeah, just give us a third of what you make. <laughs> like, there's no physical object at all, so you can have a glut of games that come out because there's not the significant upfront fees that are involved with games with physical media. Yeah, and Nintendo it, is coincidentally very much... there was some there's something else going on in free to play at that time in yeah. that uh, Facebook instituted uh, the Facebook tax. So previously, Facebook games you didn't have to give them thirty percent of your revenue if you had a Facebook game. You just could run your game on there and make money off of it. And in, after Facebook instituted the 30% Facebook tax, everyone was running for the hills trying to figure out what the next platform they would be on for free-to-play games. And it was at that same exact time in, like, 2011 uh, when that was going on. So iPhone gaming got really big then with free-to-play games breaking onto the market. Because before that, people were trying to sell one-off games on yeah. iPhones, and that wasn't working. That was just not the right market for it. Yeah, um, even going back and looking at this, it was, like, bizarre to see that, like, the average iPhone game was, like, $5 instead of nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, all this is incredibly weird. And for Nintendo, who is just being Nintendo, and that's part of the thing that's frustrating about being Nintendo, is that they don't feel the need to adapt. They wait a very long time to catch up with the rest of the industry. So here we are right now with the PSP offering the PlayStation, this PlayStation 3D experience on the go, big AAA games and the Vita on the way. And, but that's, but that's another reason, like, you know, think about people who don't (laughs) have game industry jobs. that can justify the disposable income. You can't buy more than one device a year Hmm. like this. It's, it's an insane expense, especially if you already own an iPhone, which is a gaming capable machine. So, but even, even, even if you want to break them down as esoterically as we could, the the PSP, PS Vita are PlayStation experiences, core gamer home console experiences you can play on the go. iPhone is hella casual. Anybody can play this. And Nintendo has to find a way to justify itself somewhere in the middle. We are a system that's focused on portable experiences. And my, my biggest complaint about the PSP and the Vita are that they are they behave like PlayStation games, like, without autosaves, like, it's excruciating. These are, like, one-hour campaigns for a portable system. Sometimes they need to treat themselves a little more modular. And the 3DS is always, the Nintendo systems are always really good with that. Short levels, save here. And, of course, you have iPhone, which is, like, at this point, doodle jump and fucking... And, and also, <laughs> and, and Angry Birds. one of the things that made the 3DS uh, especially good with that was you just close it and it <laughs> suspends the game. Like, that's yeah. very easy to understand. You don't have to hold the button down. You don't have to go through that a menu. Feels good. Just close it, and it'll pause. And it feels good. But we're, we eventually get as Nintendo figures, like, 
very credibly figures out how to exist in between the far core gamer future and the technological future of the iPhone with exactly what it needs to. I want to compliment, like Pokemon is a big part of that, as is Monster Hunter, uh, especially uh, when you factor in abroad sales. The iPhone even now doesn't have a good internetless talk to one another NFC connection, whereas like the, the Nintendo system's always focused. I am so glad I don't have to use the word ad hoc anymore since mm. we don't cover PSP yeah. games. But like all those Nintendo games like offered like, yeah, remote play, download play. Sometimes you can play off of someone else's cartridge with your system. Nobody else offered that. Nintendo figured out what how to do that in between these two different emerging markets. So competition, that's that's number two. Number or number one. Number five, sorry. Yeah. But it is my number one. <laughs> this, like, Michael wouldn't let me. This is all reversed. Yeah. Like, the least significant uh, ways we, of treating this will be at the end. Come on. We, I know. I, I Look, I didn't want to argue it. I'm like, I'd rather prepare the show than argue this. All right. But I'm telling the listeners, this is the most significant right. uh, reason that 3DS almost failed. And the second one is also very big. Moving. Number two. Number four. <laughs> That is a <laughs> the money. That is the that is a, a a sound effect, Michael. That's a beautiful sound effect, Michael. That's a lot of different Mario coin noises yeah. to signify price. And even though it doesn't seem that substantial, but oh man, kids, you're gonna have to get to learn about inflation because two hundred fifty dollars uh, a, a launch price for the 3ds was a lot more than a lot of people were willing to spend. Well, especially was bucks. wasn't the DS by then ninety nine dollars? Like it yeah, was everything like. I think think of the Switch, which came out a few years ago, and it's fifty dollars more expensive now. It's, yeah, it's true. It, yeah, would you pay fifty dollars less for, for well, the launch three D? And the and the DS was one fifty at launch, right? Okay. So that oh, that's wow, a huge okay. difference, right? No one was used to paying that much for a, a hand, a Nintendo handheld. Right now, watch oh, me right, tie this the... back with Chris's last one, his number one, or I don't know, whatever his fucking number. <laughs> but when you talk about competition, if you're so a big chunk of Nintendo's audience, it's it's parents with kids. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you have the choice of, well, I have this iPhone already, and my kid wants to play a game, and I can get a dollar game or a free game or whatever. Yeah. Versus I can just I have them my up, phone. <laughs> yeah, versus up front, I have to buy a $250 system plus the game, which is $40 on top of that, mm-hmm. and they're going to want more than one game. I'm probably going to hand them the phone yeah. because ha- it's a having lot. Having <laughs> worked retail, I can tell you that at least one parent heard that price tag. $250? Well, how many games does it come with? Well, you have to buy the game separately, and they're $40 a piece. Like, it doesn't even come with any games. I have to pay $40 just to get one game? This is bullshit. Yeah, I don't... How, That's how they it, get were, you. Were, were the games more expensive? I don't remember what uh, Nintendo Game Boy games were at launch, because I never I never had one until like five or six years into the, the Game Boy launch. Were they I want to say they were 30 20 to 30 always. Okay. Like they it, it seemed expensive, yeah. and, and, and $250, I believe, was the PSP launch price. But the PSP was also, it was a at the time a a little bit of a beefier system. It was it was trying to do something a little different, and it wasn't two hundred fifty dollars now. And you and again with with cell phone plans, you could probably get a brand new iPhone for two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars with a subsidized plan. 
Well, Sony also was trying to really push portable video. Like, oh, no, you can watch your movies on the go. UMD, yeah. it's the mm-hmm. future. Yeah, it, you can watch really two wasn't. episodes of Viva La Bam with the loudest spinning device in the universe. <laughs> it was even worse than Minidisc. Um, but I, I, think- I want to meet this parent that Michael's talking about. The, by the way, it's 2011. These are people who grew up with video games. How yeah. are they not understanding how video game pricing oh, works? Oh, you'd be surprised. I'm, I'm just thinking back to like, what do you mean this printer doesn't come with a parallel cable? I have to buy that separately. <laughs> Bullshit. Well, uh, but but, but, but two hundred and fifty dollars, which I'll remind you was indicative eleven money, and would be almost three hundred <laughs> today. And yeah. the 3ds, I think you could say you could argue it was on par graphically, if not a bit better than the PSP. I, I think it was a bit know. better. It just had a smaller screen. I, I, I think I'll get to that, but I, I think it it's the nature of the display made it look worse. Hmm. But hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the PSP seemed like a, a it seemed like a more if you had if you had an iPhone you can play games in your iPhone it did feel like well you could you should only buy one of these which one is the best and the PSP has an a, a launch like a 5 year old library of easily accessible titles used and new for way cheaper than $40 and yeah the the price the like people were horrified by the price it does feel bizarre now because like you can't get an iPhone for less than a thousand dollars at this point, or a new iPhone for less than a grand. That wasn't the case ten years ago. Uh, but yeah, like two hundred fifty dollars, like people did not want to have anything to do with. And it, I, to me, the most bizarre story is three months later, Nintendo announces we're going to drop the price thirty percent from two hundred fifty dollars to one sixty nine ninety nine. And there is no video game story where that significant of a price cut ends well. That is an act of desperation, usually not an act of cleverness. And, but it totally fucking worked for the 3DS. Yeah. And and when people saw that price 169, they practically flew off the shelf. They said, "Nice plus a hundred." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and yeah, that that's what gave us the whole ambassador program. Is that like it was an apology for dropping the price. It did. The ambassador program, again, I think, because what is it? it's compensating for, um, what is it, 70 bucks, about mm-hmm. 70 bucks, and they're giving you 20 Nintendo games. Yeah. 20 Nintendo games, which at that point they were still selling for $6 a piece. In some, in some cases, $10 a piece. I mean, most of those, you, you can't get them any other way other than pulling out oh, your yeah. 3DS with the oh, Ambassador yes. games. There are several games, that I'll get to that in a second, <laughs> but there, there are several games there that is the only way you can get them on that machine, uh, officially. I'm sure we'll see a lot of bootlegs as we move forward. Uh, but the price, uh, speaking of bulking prices, it's something I'd written about and I couldn't find updated information on it. The Nintendo 3DS launched with the game Super Monkey Ball 3D for oh, 3DS. Yes. It didn't review as well as Super Monkey Ball for the iPhone, uh, which came out like a few months beforehand. It had more levels. It had more capabilities. The Nintendo 3DS version of Super Monkey Ball, while different games, was $40. The iPhone version was $3. The way people were writing about this, like, this is the death of Nintendo. If they think they can justify this, they're insane. And meanwhile... Monkey Ball, a series that should have thrived on the iPhone, did not, and, yep. and still enjoy them on our Nintendo system. And, but, but like that is, can you um, trying to justify that kind of price difference to like your parents if you're a little kid? Uh, there's a version for three dollars. Of course, that's the one you're. Yeah, getting. that's you that's right the now? we have McDonald's at home sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, unless your parents are Sega fans, in which case we know you probably don't have kids. 
<laughs> waiting for someone to pick up on that. Uh, yes, you're married to a 32X. And, uh, it was I the believe... only way to afford it at the time, by accepting its dowry in exchange. Also in the same category, uh, I believe the cheapest, the first cheap 3DS game I ever picked up new was the game, the launch game, Asphalt 3D. Uh, that is based on a Game Loft series. Its fourth iteration hit iOS in 2008. There were almost annual iterations, and they were all free. And so, so compared to the cheapest 3DS game was $29.99 as opposed to free, and they're sort of the same game. So, like, Nintendo had a lot more it had to justify during this period. Um, yes, and it could have done a better job with maybe, I don't know, releasing games associated with Nintendo, which brings us to number three. Number three. All ahead, blank. <laughs> That's exactly what I had. I had this... <laughs> That's exactly the sound effect I had. It was a Wada explaining Steel Diver because the launch lineup for the 3DS included no Mario, no Zelda, not even a Wii Sports, and no F-Zero ever. They They've were- <laughs> gotten really bad at this lately. Like, Nintendo used to always launch systems Wait, wait, with wait, 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 wait. Breath of the Wild was a launch yes. game for Switch. Yeah, yeah, I so, know. Yeah. I know. But that, but that, that, also, that is the odd, Only that because the it had been delayed to hell and Thank back you. for it's Wii U. A, that's oh, a I Wii know. U game that came it's this way. the same way. reason like, Twilight I know, Princess but, was a but launch I think, game for Wii. I think, I think Switch would have launched with Mario Odyssey if things hadn't lined up the way where they needed to kill Wii U early. I think uh, you would have seen Mario Odyssey be the Switch launch game. I, I, I Switch agree. But, I, later. but it, that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying. In Nintendo's defense, the weak launch lineup had become industry standard after the, I would say the sort of with the PS2, I have a lot of affection for that launch library, but you know, outside of Fantavision, what are you going to play now? And, well, it's a good thing. PS- that's a thing of the past, huh? With this last, yeah, these, yeah, these, the PS3 <laughs> launch library was oh, weak. Wait. Uh, the PS5 launch la- library was fucking weak and that's just the way it was. And I think Nintendo's like, yeah, we'll just do what everybody else does. And you can see when they did that with things like Wii U and 3DS, those, those, those numbers, those console sales numbers shrink in the beginning because they don't. There's not a giant loss leader up front to sell the system. Well, yeah, the big difference between Nintendo platforms and the other guys that they were maybe emulating there is most Nintendo platforms. It's it's kind of a well known secret. Like a majority of the software sales are Nintendo first party games. It's it's actually Always third third be. party publishers don't actually sell that many copies of their games on Nintendo platforms compared to Nintendo. And so if Nintendo Unless your game is pl- named uh, Stardew Valley, in which case you're selling millions of copies. Well, yeah, <laughs> true, true. But like, so like, you know, to launch a Nintendo platform and not have any Nintendo games, you're kind of missing a very important part of your software library. Well, I mean, they had Nintendogs. Uh, that that might have been the, the marquee uh, plus Nintendo cats. Game. Yeah, Nintendogs plus cats. <laughs> But Steel Diver, like, sticks out as such a weird launch yeah. game. It's just like, you've got a 3D system. You are selling it with a 2D submarine game that moves slowly and uses touchscreen controls to adjust the the pitch and throttle of your submarine. And it is just kind of weird. My theory is that it was meant to evoke, like, these old pre-video game mechanical submarine games where, like, they'd... Make it look like yeah, there's a radar scope, little a Nintendo yeah, game, little robot submarine moving up and down and sinking ships, and there's like a, a layer of water between you and the mechanical boats. 
Yeah, Nintendo had such a, a bizarre hard-on for this. The sound I, I had grabbed to open the segment was, uh, <laughs> was this. What you are looking at right now is a new tactical first-person shooter that will act as a successor to the submarine action game, Steel Diver. Nintendo so closely aligned itself with the fucking Steel Diver series that it also ended up launching their awful free-to-play program with its with a successor. But like, yeah, as a as a hardcore Nintendo fan, you want to pay attention. Like, what's the new IP? They had Nintendogs coming out, and you know, you know who we are. You either know if you want that game or not, and I didn't. I know Michael didn't, and I can't speak for anybody else. But the I other think, one, was I think that one got. It didn't get rated that well, if I remember correctly. The no, Nintendogs plus cats. It was yeah. no. It, I think I think it, it turns it out you kind of okay. You, I think low sevens on Metacritic. You only need one of those like every ten years because it can't really do. How do you improve that game? Well, it's Sit also a thing a that like talking about iPhone. There are like a million of those games on iPhone because those games are perfect for the iPhone. It's yes. like oh, pretend to throw a ball, flick a ball that way. <laughs> But I mean, there were there were a couple of bright spots in the launch lineup. I mean, obviously, Ubisoft was there in force. Hello, I, I do work for them. Always. Full disclosure. But, Hello, but no, uh, they, they're always kind to, to launch lineups. Yeah, and, especially, and especially in this case. But Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Shadow Wars was, mm-hmm. I think, an overlooked gem. I just want to talk about it briefly because no, it's it's one of the highest rated games in the launch. Yeah, no, it was, and mm-hmm. it was. I mean, it's a pretty good tactics game, like like XCOM. But it was also sort of the precursor to Rainbow Six Siege, where the Rainbow team, rather than just being like a bunch of identical balaclava-wearing anti-terror operatives, like they start to take on overt personalities. They all have code names and different skills and different looks. And somebody just reviewing it said, like, this is a G.I. Joe game, straight up. It's just G.I. Joe. And I played as like, yeah, it kind of is. And that's... Cool that that- and then that was it was alongside Rayman 3D mm-hmm. and and a bunch of admittedly well optimized ports that took advantage of the 3D but like huge games Madden The Sims 3 Lego Star Wars uh, Monkey Ball Busta Busta Move Ridge yeah. Racer and I think the highest scoring launch game ended up being Street Fighter 4. The answer lies in the heart of battle. Well now. Let's see if we can't do something about my board. The battle has begun! Fight! Let's go! Hadouken! Just need to get a Hadouken in there. But yeah, that Which it, that was it, another big surprise. And it's just like, no, this is like handheld Street Fighter 4, which is the hotness on consoles right now. Super Street Fighter 4, besides, with all the extra characters mm-hmm. and shit. It's great. It runs great. It controls great. If you turn off the 3D effect, you get 60 frames per second on a handheld. That's pretty amazing. Right. right. And and yeah, it, it's it's more like when when we saw this game like nobody really needs this, but I can't believe they were able to do it. Mm. Especially this well. And I I I have I have like three sealed copies of it hoping it'll become a collector's item someday because <laughs> it's like holy shit, a great 3DS port. Uh, of Street Fighter 4. It still seems wacky and like it shouldn't have been able to be accomplished, but it did. Am I making and this up? Did it have a 3D gimmick? Was there like a first person perspective or yes, something? Yes, where like you that? shot Hadoukens, yeah. Oh my yes. gosh. <laughs> there, there's an, but uh, yeah, it is an exclusive mode in the game. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that actually is a pretty good, a significant way to lead into the number 
two, which number is my number two. four most significant reason. Oh, I have to I have to do this sound effect live. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hardware. <laughs> The satisfying snap of a 3DS lid shutting. That is my 3DS XL, but there were problems with the fucking, the, what do you call it? The door? The hinge. The, the, hinge. the hinge issues. The hinge yeah. of the initial one. The the first 3DS, in addition to like, I, look, we I don't know. This is too dumb to explain, but like, if you're looking at video games your whole life like I've been, you tend to define the look of a console era by their launch system and this is the ugliest launch color I've ever seen in my in the history of video games what is it coral green <laughs> that was it was a black version but like yeah. most people I knew had the green one and just such a ugh, yeah, it's, ugly it's like color glossy and shiny and yeah picked up it looks like something should like be in my grandmother's kitchen yeah <laughs> it, and, and but I, I but 3D being its biggest cachet was something that ended up kind of alienating uh, more people than I, I have to imagine Nintendo intended because it, it wasn't just that like at the end of the day like 3D's you know it's impressive for a little bit uh, but sometimes there can be eye strain if you have astigmatism if you have colorblindness and especially colorblind any of those things in one eye this feature does not work and, and in order for this feature to work it drains an inordinate amount of battery power mm -hmm. because it is yeah. it is uh, rendering two scenes of a game uh, for your eye, and so what Nintendo basically had to sacrifice battery life—a huge thing to consider with portability. You could go back in time to like the links in the Game Gear and say they failed because they required yeah. six AA batteries that died in half an hour to their failure. Battery and life. Nintendo sac was practically Nintendo's yeah. religion. For, right for like right. twenty and, years, and and and, they, and that it was. I, I remember talk. I was talking to Michael and Matt about this, and they were like, yeah, "I don't remember much of this being an issue, but like it was a huge issue for people with, uh, with a history of Nintendo portables who didn't work in a place where they had an extra 3DS charger, forty dollars extra at their work. Like you could not charge this thing and expect to play it when you came home from school or at lunch yeah. at uh at camp." Well, what I was saying is I remembered it being an issue for me personally to the point where I, I bought an aftermarket battery with yeah. extended battery life that it made the 3DS like half an inch thicker because basically like it had its own like bottom of the unit. You, you'd have to replace the entire bottom panel of the unit. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's what I had to do to actually get decent battery life. But it's if you were going to cons, you had to get. Uh, oh, yeah. A oh, yeah. You had to get a portable charger and you had to buy. I remember having to, Nintendo never sold. The USB 3DS charger. They only sold that you could, you had to buy those for like $13 through third party yep. sellers on eBay and Amazon. They would only wanted that gray, boxy, clunky $40 charge. Do you even remember? Oh, it was so infuriating when the 3DS, the other iterations, they just stopped selling the power supply yes. altogether. What the hell? Yeah, Nintendo. God damn it. See, this is, you know, the God damn it Nintendo. But like, but it's, yeah, the 3D... it's just a very common hardware practice in Japan. And mm. Nintendo is just like, ah, oh, well, you know, works in but, Japan. Well, yeah. You, you started <laughs> to everywhere. go down a road with the hinge, Chris, that I, I wanted to pursue a little bit because one of the things I think Nintendo had also been known for up until this point is their consoles were sort of like bricks. Like you, you could. Yeah. You could abuse them because kids own yeah. them. Like, think of the They'd fucking GameCube. You can, like, drive over a GameCube, man. Uh, like, the, the Game Boys and stuff. The 3DS was remarkably fragile for, for what, for a Nintendo handhold. Yes. Like, the, it Especially had. Especially without how solid 
the, the especially the DS Lite, which is kind of it might as well be the gold standard of Nintendo portables. Yeah, that thing you could you could like. There's that. There's still that Game Boy that survived a bombing in Iraq in mm-hmm. Nintendo's store. Yeah, it's burned and singed and still plays Tetris. That that DSi or the, D, the my DS, my coral pink 3DS that Brett and Carolyn bought me survived fucking everything. Drops, falls, open and closing. I remember like charging that thing and putting it in the sleep mode, and by that I mean closing it, and then picking it up three months later, and it still holds a charge. The 3DS, it took five hours to charge. Your battery ran out in five hours. <laughs> Everything was one one, and I, I think some software upgrades in, 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 uh, eventually helped that a little bit. But it was the it was the second version that really made it a better portable system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the XL the, the XL helped yeah. too, especially that screen that the 3ds screen. Uh, so I verified when you guys were talking about resolutions. Technically, the PSP had a better, higher resolution screen because it had the wider screen, if you remember. Yes. But um, Nintendo's rocking this 5.3 screen, which is like, it's like an alien ratio. It doesn't exist anywhere but 3DS. Yes, but like the yeah the 3DS the the original ones which I still have the OG 3DS. It's like the screen is tiny compared to the XL screen, which it's it's just a world difference. Where like. Reading text is comfortable in RPGs on the 3DS XL, oh, yeah. which is Monster not Hunter. Under- oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when, uh, when I say it, like battery life was their religion, it's like a lot of the things that you might hate about Nintendo platforms, especially yeah. at the time, were because of battery life. Like people asking Nintendo, like, why aren't you making a color Game Boy when Sega and Link's your all your competitors have color systems? Like, well, that would drain the batteries too quickly, and they waited until. The technology had advanced to the point where it was not yeah. sucking down so much power from. Yeah, why why don't why don't you have a backlit screen yeah. in your Game Boy Advance? Because battery. Uh, why don't life. you have a lithium battery? But, and it was like all like because this is still better battery life. We're optimizing battery life. This is a portable machine. The, the most galling one that I found out was the Virtual Boy. Was mm-hmm. it was red because it, they wanted it to be a portable system for whatever reason. It it was powered by batteries. Wow and. Color would drain the batteries too quickly and also be way too expensive. But if they did it with like these LEDs, then they could do it so much more cheaply. And red LEDs used much less power than other colors. So you just had the the eye searing red system. Which literally, like I I have one. It It is painful to play for more than 15 minutes. Oh, you have, to, you have to like find like the right end table to set it on in order to play that thing comfortably. Yeah. There's, there's, I know I'm old school and I still have a little bit of shame playing games in public because of how much I was harassed and beat up over it, even though that wouldn't happen now. But the idea of someone on a bus with a virtual boy on their head, like, I would have to bully you. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, and I never bully, but, but the, so the hardware of the 3DS, the hardware of the 3DS had some significant issues. I, I, I just remember, uh, I think it was, uh, Games Radar's UK team, like, they just got to like, they reviewed everything like everyone else and then just got to the stylus and like, what the fuck is this? Like the, the iPhone's been out for like four years and has basically made anyone holding a stylus look like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like what, why does this game still have a stylus? And Nintendo has this awkward retractable, like blind guy cane yep. stylus. <laughs> and, and I, I'm not, I'm not attributing it to anything. I don't have this information, but like what 3DS games do you remember being able to play with a stylus or, or requiring a stylus? I don't remember many, and I have yeah. to imagine I'm sure. most of that was for backwards compatibility, but like, I think 
in terms of like a sexy consumer device, the stylus made it look really old. I mean, steel diver used the stylus. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, and um, was it was it Kid Icarus uh, the Kid Icarus game or does that yep. have a thumb thing? No, Kid Icarus uh, Uprising used the stand with the and then the, the, the stylus to control. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah was, and 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 then my my biggest thing, if you've never had to deal with this, good for you, but. In the dawn of gaming, game streaming, Nintendo refused to the bitter end to offer any consumer support for video capture. Uh, yeah, at, for the 3DS, it was None really bad whatsoever. Because I, I was running a, a game explain at the time when it launched, mm-hmm. and like we couldn't capture any 3DS stuff. We had to go to the games radar offices and use hey! theirs <laughs> and use our nitro box. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we didn't have any other solution, and so we. Uh, I one of our, I remember our uh, there. Yeah. a friend of mine who was working at a company that released games on 3DS. He's like, "Fuck this! We need to promote our games." And the the way it, it's still odd. I saw a recent video of like, how do you get 3D capture from your 3DS? And there's like two people left alive who do this, and you have to send them your system to Germany or Japan that they'll mod for you, and then send back with like a USB mini support option that is drilled into your 3ds but you basically have to sacrifice yeah. a 3ds in order i was gonna to, say like, there's there's no video out on the 3ds there's there's, there's literally nothing you have to add a video out nothing. somewhere yeah. even even the psp had like a composite video out option that sony sold officially and nintendo never supported it and i think it's it was its secret uh pita shame because one of the funny things i love now that i know having worked at one of those companies that makes official trailers you officially couldn't make a 3ds trailer the size of a normal video you had to play it 240p with big borders look at every official mm. uh 3ds trailer they play it like a sega cd video yeah you cannot expand it to fit the screen i worked with a game published by nintendo and it's just like no you can't stream this like we can't have this <laughs> you can't show how bad this looks blown up you can't do it i i remember it, like we were taking screenshots of ocarina of time and like I forget how it resolved itself, but like we have to get all these approved by Nintendo, and it's just like, well, fuck this or fuck them. Like we're not, <laughs> we're either not doing this or either not taking screenshots anymore. It's such a stupid process. Yeah. And and I think that, that part of that is hardware wise, while technically beefier in every way than any other Nintendo uh, portable, and including I, I think maybe even the PSP in some respects with a, that that Nvidia Tegra mobile chipset. The 3DS still somehow looked worse in 2011 than both PSP and iPhone. That's a huge deal when people are playing these in stores and like, why does this look worse than what's existed for four years? And that's because while all of our homes had become HD ready, at every other portable, PSP and and iPhone, were at least trying to approximate 1080p, retina screens. There's an OLED Vita out. At the same time, Nintendo's releasing a 240p console. <laughs> so one of the another reasons why Nintendo uh, 3DS almost failed. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to get to the end. Oh wait, this is the end, right? The last no, one. No, there's one more it to is. go. One more. Yeah, one more to go. Yeah, one more to go. And this is technically here. Here's my sound effect for this. Does anybody know what that is? Not being able to see it. It sounds like Pikmin, but it's not Pikmin, is it? It is Pikmin. It, it they I mean they are Pikmin. That is the sound of the Pikmin 
moving your data from one 3DS <laughs> to another. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because one of the stupidest things Nintendo ever did, they they made this adorable interface for. <laughs> oh, while iPhone and, and Sony have accounts that tie to your purchases and you can re-download on other machines, mm-hmm. Nintendo adamantly refused to ever do that. And you could only do a 1-1 transfer of one 3DS to another. And when you did that, that 3DS would essentially be it could work, but it's it's bricked to who you are. Your saves yeah, are gone. Your games are gone. Yeah, look, it's, it, it's a you complicated it, process to get Pikmin inside everyone's 3ds's. So sure. you got to give yeah. them some credit there. <laughs> I like I I can't hate it. It is really fun to watch and adorable. Yeah. They 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 literally pick up pieces of your data that have all visual representations and like oh there's there's my fucking there's my Mario 3D world. <laughs> 3D please world. please don't act like they've learned their lesson. So as a guy who literally had to call in a Nintendo Switch repair today for a fan issue, I'm like having to do my homework. Like okay, how do I prep this thing? So they sort of learned their lesson. If you subscribe to their $20 online service, your saves at least are saved to the cloud. Oh, is that included in the Nintendo yes. online Yes, cloud service? save is, is tied okay. to the paid service. You don't get that for free. But, um, and technically now, yes, if you sign in to a different account, you can grab your purchases. But I think it's still like a one-to-one thing. Like, no, you cannot be signed into multiple switches with one account. It's like, you're, this is your new switch. Oh, the, it's for your Switch. The, yep, yeah, the one that's definite uh, still that's still you, a deal. No, you you can, but it's like a weird it's a weird thing. Where it's oh, like you have uh, the oh, primary how... one and then you can log into others as a secondary or something like that. But then the other one that's like completely yeah, broken is anything you've so if you save software to the the card, the the SD card, you know, the little tiny mini card that you, you use to expand your memory, if you take that out of one switch and put it into another switch, it will not work. It is proprietary to that switch. It has to reformat the card in order to use it. It oh, is so Nintendo. It yeah. is so like what the so fuck? You have I just to, want to you have to transfer everything onto your computer and then reformat the card and yeah, then that's put right. it back on the card and back. I haven't done it in so long. I forgot the process, but I used to have to do it all the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember yeah. having to reformat cards. I do remember like the laborious process of transferring 500 megabytes from a Wii to a Wii U and seeing that adorable Pikmin thing as they moved everything onto a representation of the SD card. But like, guys, this is 500 megabytes. There's no excuse for this to take half an hour. This is disgusting. This this, this section is called technical issues. And I think I don't... It was the, the last thing I was going to research, but I wanted to look into... I love Nintendo's... NFC communications as in like mm-hmm. I remember I worked at Capcom our one day our power went out and we were working on Monster Hunter it's like well we can still open up our 3DSs and play Monster Hunter with one another because we don't need the fucking internet these things just one one talk to each other and we can play 60 frame a second games on like to, it's still crazy iPhone still doesn't have that it doesn't offer that at all uh, but the Nintendo internet was one of the worst things I'd ever experienced in my entire life and you could only have three and I remember being like, if you tried to connect it to a hotel internet, you are shit out of luck. It never, ever worked. Nope. It didn't work for most internets. It was the worst. Oh, yeah. So Any internet know... that has like a, an initial pop-up screen of yes. like, here, uh, give us yeah. some, some oh, authentication. Oh, yes. Like, okay, you're exactly right. Like anything that did that in an airport, you were fucked. You had yep. no access to the internet. Mm-hmm. I wanted to move that to hardware. I couldn't figure that out. But Nintendo 
was very reluctant to get into the digital age, um, so much so that the Nintendo 3DS eShop didn't launch until four months later. How about, how about, I'm going to relabel this one online. Because a lot of these yeah, issues sure. you're talking about are related well, to Nintendo's feelings and thoughts. They, they about are online. almost all, all exclusively related to online, for sure. Or Nintendo's Nintendo's problem with being online and sharing things online. Speaking of online, like I, I've been seething, remembering, like, and I know I've told this story before, but in 2016, my 3DS died in the rain, and I had to send it in for repairs. And they, I don't know if they sent me a new one or just wiped my core user data from it. But uh, it came back, and like five years of Street Pass data was gone. Wow! And I was back to square one, and I'm like, "Fuck this! I'm never playing this again." I, I tried to because when I wrote the original article for this like ten years ago, the best launch game on the 3DS was Street Pass, and I know that has to do with you know we worked and we lived and worked in different cities, we commuted, we traveled a lot, and three the Street Pass was mwah, so good. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I remember we asked Nintendo, like, is there any, hey, it's been one month and we're done with everything Street Pass has to offer. Any updates coming? He's like, eh, we might consider it at the end of the year. I'm like, wow, that means three years. They have, they will never update this thing. <laughs> and by the time they did, it was like, it was like three years later. They like, we kept saying like, we would have paid full price for street, the Street Pass experience. You gave it to us for free and there's never updated it. It's awesome. Uh, it, it, I consider that a, a technical issue, but that's Nintendo's fucking bullshit. They had no plan for Street Pass. Yeah, just um, it's their it's their theory on online. They're just like, ah, eh, people probably won't engage with this yeah. stuff, and they had <laughs> I know to, they I had to create an Nintendo all new character. This, this amazing RPG that you play with your friends, who like, dude, I was just like. I remember writing like, just add a different color shirt. Thank you. Because what, if you're wearing a different colored shirt, you were given different powers. Mm-hmm. I, I remember Orange going up to friends fire. and being like, hey, can you change your shirt color so this, that I can get past this part of this fucking game, please? I need yeah, a yellow. Need a pi- I need a yellow. I need a yellow. Is anybody wearing pink today? It was it was fucking awesome. And, and it's uh, this whole category is Nintendo bullshit. And I, I, I don't know anything about some of these, even though I, I, I worked with some of these companies pretty closely. For instance, I don't know why Resident Evil The Mercenaries 3D and Monkey Ball 3D, you could not delete your saves and start over. Uh, and yeah, it that was, was the problem. It was, it was rumored, like, well, this is how these companies are going to fight uh, pre-owned sales in GameStop. And Capcom made a press release that mentioned no reason why this is an issue other than, like, it's not because of pre-owned sales. Mm. But I have to amend and imagine it's part of Nintendo bullshit. We talked yeah. previously about the Ambassador program that gave us 20 free uh, Nintendo games from the uh, NES and then 10 from the Game Boy Advance. Though That was the only way to obtain those games. No Game Boy Advance game was ever released after that for sale or or otherwise for the Nintendo 3DS. In fact, they tried to make that an ex- they tried to promote that as an incentive to buy a Wii U. You can exclusively download uh, Game Boy Advance games in the eShop for the Wii U. And we did. We streamed Advance Wars. And, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's so, it's so, and I don't remember what the reason was, but I also know from experience when the new 3DS, the third redesigned model, only those were capable of playing Super Nintendo games on the Nintendo 3DS eShop. <laughs> it was such bullshit. It was such bullshit. It was such, not only was it such bullshit, um, it, 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 it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, 
for some reason, Earthbound was eleven ninety nine on Wii yeah. U and uh, the 3DS. Yeah. They didn't talk to one another. So I, I have spent $25 on Earthbound, a game I cannot get. I, I only own it on an office Wii U that I can no longer access. Like somewhere no. out there, I own the rights to Earthbound. Yeah. But, and yeah. for another reason, the, the eShop didn't launch with the system either. It didn't launch for months. Uh, so you couldn't officially buy Nintendo's back catalog when the 3DS came out for fucking months. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it's so bizarre. And I, I'm only saying that because like all of Nintendo handhelds eventually have some interactivity with their home, their current home console. There's that Super Nintendo Game Boy player and Crystal Chronicles on GameCube. Oh, yeah. And like the only thing that happened, this was all, when I, Micah, were you in love with Monster Hunter as much as I was? So this is where I, so I played Monster Hunter Try, uh, but Monster Hunter 3U on on Wii U and 3DS was that's my gateway Monster. Yeah, Hunter. that was that was where I I really got into Monster Hunter, and it was because actually of the communication between the Wii U and the 3DS. It was just perfect because I would bring the game with me to work, play at work with with coworkers, bring it back home, transfer the save back to my Wii U, play while I'm at home. Uh, you know, go over to friends' houses. But same thing I. Would like to do with the Switch version, but we've got COVID now, so we can't go visit anymore. <laughs> but do you remember how you did that? Uh, with the transferring, the save transferring back and forth? No, there is no save transfer thing of any kind. Capcom had to develop a separate app. Right, there was an app. On, That's right. <laughs> on your Wii U and your 3DS, and you would, you would, so I'd be playing on the train home, and I'd, I'd want to play on my Wii U. I'd have to open up the app on both consoles, transfer that save data, and then I'm playing on my Wii U. However, if I got hammered and woke up late and hung over and ran out the door and opened up my Monster Hunter, oh, I didn't transfer my save. I have no progress in this game. <laughs> uh, I cannot do anything. I am fucked. And I, like it's, it, I remember did that like once or twice. I'm like, it's technically dangerous to start a new save because I don't know if I'll be able to get the other save back on this because of the save issues. Hey, y'all, you, you, we're all tweeting and Instagramming around this point. Do you remember? Did you know? I didn't know until researching this. You could take a screenshot of the 3DS, what you're playing on the 3DS. Do you know how to do that? I think I found out at some <laughs> oh, point. But... It was some weird button you know, combination, wasn't it? How do you take a screenshot with your iPhone? Uh, you click two buttons together. Yeah. Right. Like it's your power or your volume together at once. To take a screenshot with a 3DS, figure out where you want to take a screenshot. Then press the home button and go home. Then open up your Miiverse. Once you open up your Miiverse, search for your community. Your community is based on the game that you're playing. Create a post. Uh, and then select, a, and then write a post. You must write a post. It can't be a blank post. And then attach a screenshot. Once you've done that, <laughs> go to a desktop <laughs> and then <laughs> log into the Miiverse and then find your photo, which will be a glorious 240p, like just postage stamp size picture. But Chris, all <laughs> I wanted to do was post a picture of me posing nude with an AR Mario on that giant AR card. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> that I don't know why more people didn't use that. That those AI <laughs> those AR things were really fun and really neat, and I feel like there was yeah. something cool that could have been done with like it. They were cool. And th- those yeah. are we were talking about I launch never... titles and face raiders was something I'd completely yeah. forgotten, and I still have like yeah. the photos of my mom that I took to put on. Uh, those floating <laughs> evil heads like back in the day oh wait by the way Miiverse was discontinued in 2017 mm. meaning 
Can't, Meaning can't the 3DS's screenshot capability was gone. Yeah. <laughs> it was gone four years ago. Michael, somewhere I just have to imagine, like, someone's memorial to their parent was the picture they took of their parent for Face Raiders. <laughs> just flying around in the Face Raiders it's interface. Like she's like, tormenting me for real. <laughs> <laughs> like, all those sweet stories of, like, kids, you know, pa- parents passing oh, away, and then, like, yeah, their yeah. Animal Crossing Island, like, Face Raiders, the Face Raiders version of that. Like, ah! <laughs> so, so, like... This is the, this is the final note because like even at the time the PlayStation Network had started up and the um, I don't know iTunes Apple Store whatever you want to call it you you own whatever you own you can download whatever you bought on your new system up until recently PSP fans I know uh, Nintendo for the record we don't know if they even do that now. They have never had a, a compatible network with any of their systems. You cannot down, re-download any of your Wii games to your Wii U. You cannot down, re-download any of your Wii U games uh, to your Switch, to your 3DS, to your DSi. They've never talked to one another. I think there was a way with Wii and Wii U, come to think of it, but it was just it was fucking complicated. I'm like, I'll just spend the seven dollars. Well, there was a it was um, an upgrade cost too. Remember? Yeah, there was a dollar upgrade you had to cost. Pay. It's, yeah. it's always been so ridiculous, and. Do you remember what happened if you lost your 3DS? It's been so long since we told the story, but it's a Dave Rudden story, and it is how you get your games back for your 3DS. You have to call Nintendo, don't you? Like, there's you not you not only have to call Nintendo, you need to call the police. <laughs> you need to call the police and file a police report to say that your 3DS was stolen or lost. And Nintendo will then, um, and this they will not replace your 3DS, but what they'll do is they will send you a gift card for the amount of digital games that you lost from the Nintendo network that you can then use to spend to read. Your saves are fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're long gone. I, I still remember, you can, like, you know, Nintendo for a while had this thing where, like, if you fill out these surveys for the games that you buy, they mm-hmm. will give you, like, a certain... There's the Club Nintendo thing where, like, we'll give oh, you a yeah. certain number of coins that you can then spend on prizes or whatever. And And I just started, like... You know, like, oh, what comments do you have about Earthbound? And I just remember saying, like, this is the third time I have bought this (laughs) on systems that are out right now. Sony doesn't make me do this. Why do you make me do this? Why do I have to buy the the same NES games over and over again? It's the only Super Nintendo game you charge double for. And I I still stand by it. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I get you. Less people might buy this. I'm just glad it's here. But it is ridiculous and so very Nintendo that it's eleven ninety nine as opposed to six ninety nine. Yeah, and and a lot of their online stuff. As a parent, I've come to realize like, oh, that's the reason they do this. I still would say I'd rather have the option versus just lowest common denominator, like no right. block it off for everyone. But some of that stuff is not to protect kids. Like charging uh, twice for Earthbound is has nothing to twice, do with kids. Online sucked. There's other things like they still have this, but friend codes. There was all these fun activities like swap notes that's now discontinued that you just because Nintendo was so afraid of pedophiles and it, it's it just so it was so fucking archaic in 2011, even in 2011, 10 years ago. And that's I, I'm forgetting a big one. I know I am. Shit. Uh, somebody else say something. Maybe I can find it in my brain. So none of this ever bothered me about the 3DS. The only thing right. that, that that bothered me was that uh, 3D made my eyes hurt after a while. Mm-hmm. So I, I just ended up turning that off completely and never used it again after I, like a year into owning the 3DS, I think I turned it off 
and I just never turned it back on. I, I um, hated it. And I remember it, it like it helped me in the launch game Pilot Wings Resort because like that is a game of like it's very small and you're trying yeah. to like shave fractions of a second off your time. And I can see exactly the distance that things are if I turn the 3D on and I felt like I needed it and I hated it. I hated yeah. having to turn the 3D on. And then when I got the new 3DS for the tracking, the head tracking, yep. I left it on all the time. I loved oh, it. See, so not me. I, I, I Like um, an action hero in a movie, I fucking took the butt of a gun and like like hitting hitting like a padlock. <laughs> I just Not only did I turn the 3D off, I just knocked the switch off. So yeah, I'm never activating this bullshit again. <laughs> uh, but that brings up the other thing that was a bummer about that console is that I think I bought it three or four times, right? Because I bought yeah. it at launch, I bought a new 3DS, and I bought a new 3DS XL. I am three. Yeah. Um, and I stole even more from my computer. And then I, I bought like one of the the sweet purple clamshell 2DSs. Oh, mm. I never got a 2DS, but I did get the Zelda uh, 3DS, which is amazing. Mm. I love it. Mm-hmm. The one that they referenced in Rick and Morty. Right, yes. Uh, uh, Justin Roiland was at my house describing to Michael where that joke came from. Something he did. Yep. Yeah, that was literally a thing that he did. Yeah, that was a thing that he did. Uh, and and. But that, that, that's also a thing of why, uh, it's also hard to trust console numbers for the DS because, um, in Japan, they are almost like fashion accessories. Like, I'm feeling summer. Ooh, a new Animal Crossing 3DS. I'm going to buy this one. Like, that culture was way more receptive to, like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a new style. I'm just going to get a new 3DS for, and I, I, I remember going over there in 2012 or 2014, and I'm looking around on the train, and everyone is rocking one. So, like, that's the success story. I'm on a Japanese train. Everyone is playing a 3DS. iPhone is in, like almost 10 years into its cycle. It's all 3DS. PS Vita's making the best portable game Sony's ever made. I saw two PS Vitas the entire time I was on trains in Japan. Everyone was playing. So like, so the Street Pass features worked amazingly. I was playing Super Mario, uh, New Super Mario Brothers 2, one of my favorite 3DS experiences. It, it ends with a good story. Is what I'm saying, but uh, but the 3ds launched with a lot of things going against it that made it look like a bad device on paper, and by paper I mean your internet screens, bullet points, and Metacritic comments. But here we are now. The 3ds was great. It's, yeah. I, 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 my parents would never buy me the portable systems. They were things I had to save up for. I, t- I, the Game Boy SP was my first Game Boy Advance. I didn't get a Game Boy Advance until it was used like six years later. So they were never my primaries but i got the 3ds at launch it was the first one i got at launch and i loved it i i, I, I don't it didn't mean to spend all this time shitting on it but nintendo nintendo as an entity is an idiot <laughs> almost all the time <laughs> i mean well like the, there were all the, these subtle hardware upgrades that you maybe didn't notice like you know the, they yeah. announced i think the head tracking 3d that was a big deal because it's like well now it doesn't suck now it it you don't weird. have to you hold. You see it. the laser like pointing at your eyes yeah. and seeing when your head, where your head. You don't have to hold it at the perfect angle at all times. But something I think they did without really any fanfare is for the longest time the 3ds had that screen where like you had to use the stylus or use your fingernails. Like it wasn't like the mm. iPhone screen where you could just tap. And at some point I've... they rip they they fixed that. Like the the 2ds right. that I have, you can just tap the screen like you would a phone. Yeah, I've always wanted to try. I, I don't like the constantly folded out 2DS, but like I would be fine with the 3D element removed in the clamshell yeah. because I think that there is something to the success of the DS and 3DS. The uh, the foldable nature of it, it's it expands to something bigger. 
my my PlayStation screen needed to be wrapped, zipped up in a case. Yep. My iPhone screen is constantly messy, and like this is this it, was it nice. protects itself. It gets smaller so it fits in your pocket. It's great. I miss yeah, it. but it, but yeah, it does add these... a mechanical point where there can be breakage, and that's, that's what true. we saw, right, with that's the true. hinges. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I would be surprised if Nintendo ever has something mechanical like that in their consoles anymore. I guess you could right. consider the Joy-Con, like, slotting in with the snap mechanical. Oh, it's the worst. Um, oh, it's the worst. That, I call look, that. they got rid of that in the in the uh, Switch Lite. I, so. I haven't gotten rid of that. I call that the... Uh, Girlfriend wants to watch something on the TV, and I have to play Undocked, meaning I can experience Joy-Con drift as far as the eye can see. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, Monster Hunter, I love you. But, like, uh, yeah, the 3DS ended up being a, a wonderful little powerhouse. But, like, uh, yeah, one technical aspect I forgot, I think the first 3DS, people were complaining you'd close it, and the screens, if you put pressure on the top, would scratch one another. Oh. Oh, I, right, yeah, you about... had to put a microfiber in between them. Yes, sure and that didn't. Amazon, did I say the thing about Amazon eventually, did I say the thing about Amazon? I can't remember. I think so. Amazon, uh, like, in the first year of the 3DS, because Amazon has really weird policies, by the way, behind the scenes, if you don't, like, those rating systems mean something. If you get below two stars, your thing is, like, goes up for, like, execution for Amazon. I think you can argue your, your way back. But uh the first lineup of 3DSs were returned in such a volume, Amazon said we will no longer sell the 3DS on our platform. And they didn't, and you don't notice because you go to Amazon, it's like why is this Terry Bogart Amiibo $70? Like it's from a third-party seller, so it's not retail price. Only third-party retailers for like two years sold Nintendo 3DSs on Amazon because Amazon was getting so many returns, they just refused to deal, and, and Nintendo wouldn't deal with them, and they just didn't sell them. Uh, it was, and, and that, how big a hit do you think they took in the first year of the 3DS because of that kind of shit? Weird. Yeah. But, yeah, if you remember what I'm talking about, oh my goodness, the 3DS, bumpy road to, but ended up being one of my, my finest, my finest hours in the video game in, uh, industry and as a player. Nice. Can't, I can't mm. believe you're putting off talking about Monster Hunter this long. I know. I'm, I, I'm shocked. <laughs> I, 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 cause we have to talk about Monster Hunter Rise and like, and, and to be honest, I don't have a a good reviewer's look at this. It is my favorite game of the year, and it is twice as good as Monster Hunter World. And I think that's partially because of how it replicates the portable experience and makes everything faster and better. Yep. It is classic Monster Hunter all the way, and I cannot wait to talk about it more with you all guys. Right. Oh my! Well, God. we will not delay too much longer. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we will talk about Monster Hunter Rise along with a bunch of new releases. In the meantime, that's been our top five. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we do. Uh, see you in a minute. Get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Of the many amazing things you've done, you were a child actor? I was a child actor. Uh, and I got a couple of, of small uh, commercials here and there. I did a, an ad for Buddy L Toys. Uh, I did Buddy an L? ad for Tab Soda. 
So I got two kinds of jobs over and over again. I got, oh, it's all the kids are the adults and he's the chairman of the board or you're a kid <laughs> in school. And this was a kid in school where like the dumpy, angry teachers come in and the kids are all rowdy. And, you know, like today we're going to learn about history. And, you know, of course, she's she's an overweight woman and she's no fun. And Set she's your ugly, bubble tape you know, on we... fire, kids. I hate cartoons. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our final segment, where we're not going to waste any more time looking back at the past. It's only the future from now on. The future and this week's epic crop of unending... might have exaggerated a bit on Unending Crop, but there are a few games worth talking about. Evil Genius 2 is out, and it was kickstarted, and I don't know if anyone here has ever played the original, but it it is basically a swinging 60s Bond villain simulator where mostly what you do is you carve out a mountain base and uh, maintain it, and you you have like put, you know these put your face on it. <laughs> yeah, these minions that like run around in hard hats and yellow jumpsuits, and you have to like build all these facilities to maintain them while also uh, running operations around the world and fending off spies that will try to sneak into your facility and and attack you. Um, kind of a couple neat things about this one, I guess uh, they have. The voice talents of Brian Blessed, uh, who's, you know, Hawkman die from Flash Gordon, that guy. Uh, he's, wow. he's the, the villain Red Ivan. And they also got, uh, Samantha Bond, who was, uh, he, she played, uh, Money Penny in the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies. Oh, to, awesome. to play this very brittle, uh, like, this character named Emma, who's basically like, what if Judy Dench's M became a a Bond villain and like walk ran around in like a spider legged chair? And uh, from yeah, for anybody yeah. from the worst Bond movies, I'm down with because the worst Bond movies secretly are the best Bond movies. <laughs> Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan all day. The Sean Connery ones are boring as fuck. And, and, and Daniel Craig, oh, it's so gritty and the camera shakes a lot. No, I want to watch a man run across crocodiles and, and, and paraglide into an Audi. <laughs> it, it has a fun, uh, you know, base management loop, but it is a base management game first and foremost. Like, you're not going to be going out into the world and, like, running XCOM-style heists. Like, all that stuff is just with menus. Like, um, operative in Brazil, yes, uh, I'll, I'll tap on this this operation and they're a little... Timer will start to count down, and then I'll get money at the end of it. It's stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's reasonably fun. Uh, Chris, you you had something else you wanted to say about Balan Wonderworld? Balan? No, not really. But like, I was I <laughs> just wanted to let you know they're not great. I was very excited and right about my time with the demo. It is it is awesome watching young professional people review one of the worst games I've ever played. <laughs> Ooh, boy, this was misguided. And like, no, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. And like, they can't say what I told you, but it confirms it. I think IGN gave it a three, which is the lowest IGN review I've read in a fucking years. <laughs> in years. And I also want to know, like, there, is it IGN, IGN three? This equals bad. And like, what are the other two? 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they did the give Cyberpunk two? a four on the PS4. Wow, oh, they did. Oof. Wow. They, so, I mean, they so went back. So they had given, you know, they had given Cyberpunk a nine or whatever, and then they went back and gave it a four after the. Do you remember what, what, what that what their four meant? Because I'm just dying to know what one and two are. Just like unplayable and. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't remember because they change that all the time. I, yeah, I used to have that reviewer guide, you know, but but it's eight years out of date at this point. So I'm dying to know. I did, but yeah, Balan Wonderland. Like, I don't relish its failure, but it was just like, wow, I can't believe this exists. But Square. What was the deaf game? The the quiet one. Quiet man. Quiet man. The quiet man. Like takes one big giant. <laughs> one to three scoring risk every five years, and I applaud them for it. Um, I'm glad Yuji Naka got to have his vision come true as long as his vision was to make a bad game for preschoolers. <laughs> it's very, very bad. It's wild to watch reviewers who would probably grew up playing games like these like at a young age, like reckon with their childhood, like, those were all bad, weren't they? They were all bad. <laughs> like people who had been like sticking up for Sonic Adventure or just like, oh. Oh, no. Oh, I, dude, you wish this was Sonic Adventure. This is so much slower. Yeah, this is and it, with fewer it things to like do. If this had been made as like a 2D Genesis game, it would make sense, especially with like all the one button stuff with mm-hmm. like, because yeah, I, I feel like I've played many Genesis games where like all three buttons do the same thing. Yep. Um, but that that is that is really weird that they would. That's a really strange design choice. While I'm talking and an idiot, can I do a take my do what I say yeah. newsiness a new release? I, I've been keeping you up to date on. I I don't want to buy any more amiibos. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But Except you just they released two. they they released two that like <clears throat> I'm an old man. I've been looking at the games industry for a long time. So Terry Bogart and um, Banjo Kazooie. Being official Nintendo Amiibos is, it makes me want to cry. Uh, two characters that never should have appeared on this system, technically two flagship characters of opposing companies to Nintendo, appearing not only in the game, but a physical manifestation. All of my real dork friends are like, what? There's a Terry? We've never been able to buy a Terry Bogart anything in America. Like, yeah. ever. That's true. Well, Banjo Let Kazooie Banjo were Kazooie. they were Nintendo almost almost mascots for a while there, and now they're back. Yeah. Is the thing? Yeah, they the, went to Microsoft. It's a Microsoft and, and Neo Geo like a, a, a model. You can't these. I've never seen anything like this in source before, and they're in scant supply. And scalpers are selling them for hundred and forty dollars a piece. Oh my god! Don't fucking wow. buy into that. So, like, if you're in if you're in the states. Uh, I can't recommend this enough because this happened. I helped my friend Adam get one. Best Buy has a deliver to store option, and they are. It's relatively scalper proof, and the the people who are going after new consoles are not going after these amiibos. Do not pay aftermarket prices for these. Go to Best Buy, get it delivered to store. You should be fine. Yeah. And I'm saying get it delivered to store, and then maybe specify. Don't put a giant sticker over this thing if I never want to take it out of the case because I showed you guys. I got Bogard, um, and I put up my Amiibo shelf over my little arcade cabs, and I, I'm just the happiest I've ever been in my own house. It is, it is really great not to be dealing with um, uh, two girlfriends ago. Like I don't want any video game shit in this room. Like now it's just a uh, living room, arcade cabs, and Amiibos. It feels great. Uh, nice. Mm. 
<clears throat> All right. Do we want to jump into the big one, or do we want to put it off a little longer? Are well, there better new releases? Well, hold on. I feel like you got to... No, because you can't go from the big one back down to these yeah. other two on here. That's so true. let's lead up. Gotta, gotta <laughs> grease the wheels a little bit more. <laughs> grease the wheels. We also call this Matt is gonna tickle the balls a little bit. Um. <laughs> well, this game might. Sub, subverse. Oh, okay. Subverse. So, yeah, Subverse, a game that came out on Friday, uh, very hotly anticipated in certain circles, by which I mean, you know, porn game circles. Chris, don't walk away. You'll want to hear this. Oh my god. Coming, I'm coming. I'm just filling up my drink. Please don't say you're coming when we talk about the porn game. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm ejaculating. So it's (laughs) ostensibly, it's marketed like a Mass Effect parody. Um, And this is a game by this collective that does a bunch of very extremely problematic, but very well animated uh, CG porn shorts. And uh, they decided, they announced a couple years ago, they were turning their talents to a video game. And now it's out in early access on Steam with a big splash promotion provided you're, you know, you can see adult games. And uh, I played a bit of it. And uh, I will say this. It is a fairly decent twin stick shooter, like a bullet hell thing. That's pretty fun. The cutscenes are well written and funny. And the, uh, there's also like turn-based ground operative battles where it's, it's a little bit like XCOM without any cover. And it's like, yeah, that's, it's pretty good. And, and the, the, the USB flashlight sequences are amazing. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I've played a, f- a fair amount of porn games. And I think if you make, if you market something as a porn game, that that makes it a pillar of your gameplay. Everything needs to be in service to the porn now. And if you have it as well, this is a reward that will like will trickle to you a little bit as you complete these hours of cutscenes and twin stick shooter sequences and other stuff. It's like you have failed your audience, I think. <laughs> you you are reminding me of my one of seeing one of my first porn movies, Peter North's Back Road to Paradise, a man in a RV trip. And a search for anal sex that his wife won't give him, <laughs> and, it, and it, it is a lot of talking, and yeah. a lot of a lot of story and shots of like an RV driving, and like get to the fucking anal sex, you idiots, <laughs> and like God, it's, it's just that it, it so the gameplay doesn't have to all be sex in a porn game, but sure. the gameplay be, should be in service of the porn. Yes, and so as Michael and I were talking about, like dating sims are just a better platform for yeah. having a porn game it's, than it's ma- letting a twin you connect to the characters like okay now I, I know these characters well enough that I kind of want to see them fucking yeah um yeah. this I like that I'm on an intergalactic mission on my ship to get intergalactic lube yeah <laughs> this, this this is like you know sex comedy level like uh, oh I'm you know the the sexy scientist who clearly fucks these genetic mutants that she's made and then uh you can like you get PP or pooter points as you level up different characters. And oh, as you do clever. that, then there's like a little, a, a separate gallery tool where it's just like, all right, I'm going to spend the PP that I've earned to unlock <laughs> brief, yourself, man. brief CG He's loops. The PP. Let him spend the PP. The man wants to spend the PP. And then unlock brief CG loops of fucking. And it's just like, well. <sighs> Yeah, it, it's just, this is just a normal <laughs> game with porn tacked on. 
it, it, it feels like a lot of uh, JRPGs, once they realized they could like make movies and you would do these mundane gaming sequences mm-hmm. to unlock films. Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me a lot of, do you guys remember probably... 10, 11 years ago, there was that Pirates porn movie that was like yes. a big yes. budget porn. Yes. It, it, <laughs> this it is, is kind of like that. It's like, look, we've spent a lot of money on the story and the gameplay, and it's like, that's almost a problem. It's almost too good because it's like, <laughs> I, I want to, I don't want to play through a decent game that has nothing to do with sex if I'm playing a porn game. Yes. <laughs> yes. I cannot... I, I cannot <laughs> masturbate to your intuitive controls. <laughs> I cannot. I say, yeah. And definitely don't make me try anything after I'm done because I'm just falling asleep. You know, <laughs> it just it reminds me of old porn and the idea that like, no, I want to get this done as soon as possible. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to level up. And <laughs> please don't save what I've done. <laughs> but 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 that, that's the thing. Like, but my my point is like this would. This would almost be better without the porn. This would probably be better without the porn. And yeah. I'm not saying that as like, oh, the porn just ruins it. No. Our, our buddy Tyler Wilde is a great write-up on PC Gamer about yeah. it that just like makes me laugh in, in a way that I feel like, unless you know, Tyler has a really good way of making me laugh by doing nothing. And I loved reading this because he's <laughs> so measured when talking about this stuff. But it still feels <laughs> like running a marathon where instead of handing a baton, you're racing for sandwiches. Like, this, this shouldn't be happening. This, this shouldn't be happening at all. I'm trying to lose weight doing a little jog, but, you know, every two miles, I eat a hoagie. Mm-hmm. I, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, so Subverse, it's out on early access. Yeah. Check it yeah. out, or don't. Um, it is the third entry in the Steel Divers <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, I, I as we discovered before the show, there is also a free to play game called Subverse that is ob- that is visible even if you don't have the mature. I, I don't even thing. think it's a game. I think it was a web series of some sort. Oh, but, yeah. but that's what came up for me when I searched for Subverse yeah. until I uh, turned the adult mm. games on on Steam. Yeah, if you don't see a sexy robot, it's not Subverse. So, Micah, this is your chance to mid-show plug. We, we want you to tell us all about Magic Legends. What's going on with Magic Legends? I feel privileged getting to do a mid-show plug here, so that's yeah. great. Um, never let me do it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, I'm on vacation right now, which is why I was able to join you all. And I'm on vacation because uh, we launched Magic Legends last week over at Perfect World. Uh, well, we launched the PC open beta, to be more precise. So that's available on Epic Game Store and Arc. It is uh one of the first like uh, uh tr- true action RPGs based on the Magic the Gathering franchise. So for me per- personally, I'm as much as I love all these other games that we always talk about here, uh Magic's my my true love in terms of games. That's that's my number one. Um, and so I've been playing Magic since it came out in, in 93, and uh, I was hugely excited to get to work on this project uh, with the team over at Cryptic. And we, yeah, we launched last week. We've already got a large number of players in there. I was uh, responsible for our launch events, which went super well, and I was really excited to see that because... 
again, I'm such a huge Magic fan. Like, I got to see all these people that I'm, uh, I, I, I follow playing my game, you know. Um, How do you, so you had to do that in a time of a pandemic? Yeah, yeah. So these were, these were remote streaming events and I just arranged on. It just feel, well, it just feels like this has never been more appropriate. Um, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I used to work with Micah. Full disclosure, and I think one of the issues we had with streamers is like they like being at their home setup. So I bet a yeah. lot of them preferred this. They're like, "Yeah, this is great. This is this yeah. is my home setup." Yeah, it it was really nice because I got to do uh, a preview event, and we had like over a hundred people streaming. Got close to ninety k viewers. Um, nice. It was. Yeah. It was very cool and a really cool way to to ring in the release of this game that has been in development for a little while over at Cryptic and um, and uh, so you know we're in open beta now and it's free to play. I encourage everyone to go check it out. Um, we're as as we are in open beta, we're still taking feedback, working on the game, and trying to optimize it and make it the best uh, best action rpg deck building game that's out there and even though it's the only one i'll it's still gonna make it the best one so it, yeah well let's let's real quick on the gameplay by the way full disclosure this is one of the last things i worked on at perfect world like literally the trailer that debuted at the game awards in 2019 was like the last thing i my i had my fingerprints on at perfect world i was really proud of that but like this game is an action rpg you know so think like a torchlight but your your actions available to you are governed by the cards that pop up in your deck and technically it's a deck builder because like any deck builder is like you want to manage having certain numbers of cards but also not having too many cards so that you have a higher chance of your powerful spells popping up so there there's a little bit of a randomness to it but it's so it kind of scratches that itch for magic players of the deck building, but it's very much at its core an action RPG, right? Yeah, okay. it, it it is definitely like a very unique hybrid of a, a deck building game and an action RPG. And as you said, you draw this random hand of spells, so there is always this RNG element to the game. Um, but it's like the core game of magic where that RNG is mitigated by how you build out your deck. Um, mm -hmm. There's over 170 spells in the game, so the the potential for uh, different permutations of decks, I believe, is in the billions. Um, because uh, there's like 150 equipment pieces and 50 artifacts, and then the 170 spells, and all of all of that together uh, ends up with like near limitless loadout options. Um, so what's re been really cool is seeing all that theory crafting and deck building, which is such a core part of the magic experience, like brought into this ARPG, uh, system. And, uh, it's, it's so different from the like optimal build strategies that other ARPGs ask from players. So very cool. Yeah. Well, even like, you know, other ARPGs have classes and this game kind of hit the classes are more modeled off the colors, right? Like you're to, right. And, I, and I'm sorry, Michael and Chris, I could tell you if you're not magic players, you might be bored, but all our magic player listeners are loving this. No, right no, no. I, I've, I've always been adjacent to magic and I'm just happy. There's a way to do it safely and modernly. Like while all this is going on. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Mad magic staff actually had a really strong year in 2020 because of the pandemics. Shockingly, uh, Paper Magic maybe uh, was harder for people to play, although I still played. I set up webcam 
multiple things so that my I have judgment style. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. <laughs> yeah, that's how we. <laughs> uh, my friends and all had like set up so that we could we could still play over Discord. But uh, you know the digital magic offerings, Magic Arena did really well in uh, in 2020, and you know we're still all in lockdown even now. Essentially, I don't leave my house. I don't know about everyone else, but <laughs> I don't risk the outside until I have a, a both my vaccine shots. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, it's only, been I a... only leave my house to go play Subverse at Subverse parties. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did, to, I did today, but only it was an emergency. Uh, Burger King is selling a French toast breakfast sandwich. Oh, oh shit! I gotta go. Uh, you guys got the rest of this show, right? Yeah, we can stay awake for a couple more hours. We can all be eating that together. But yeah, so go go check go check it out. PlayMagicLegends.com. Uh, okay. Check out the trailer, the CG trailer, if you want to see the last thing that Matt worked on over at Perfect yes. World before he left. Uh, I, Matt, I don't know if you saw the second CG trailer that was our launch trailer for Open Beta, but you should check it out because I, I only watched very I good. work on, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's a it's a very good trailer, and it's based off of the first trailer, ooh, so it's like ooh, a continuation of the the love events. To hear. Um, I know that if there's one thing you like talking about more than Magic Micah, it's Monster <laughs> Hunter. Yes. Speaking of staying Woo! awake another couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> I have not been able to play for like 24 hours, and I am I am like a fucking junkie. I am jonesing. I mean, yeah, Monster I, Hunter I got Rise. up early today to play Monster Hunter Rise. <laughs> it's pretty good. And I say this as someone who doesn't like Monster Hunter in general. I'm, I'm having so fun happy with to it. hear you say that. I mean, I'm not I'm not into it the way you guys are into it, but it's just like, yeah, no, I could do another hunt. I, I want to hear your Micah's assertion more than anyone else's, just because we've all been talking about it a little bit, and I should have, I should have the know-how to talk about why this one is better, why this one is my game of the year, why I think I, I feel this is so much better than Monster Hunter World. Yeah, but, but so th- there's a lot of reasons why I think it's better than than World. I don't think. Like, World does some things better, I guess, but uh, ease of playing with my friends is actually surprisingly yeah. uh, simpler than it was in World, which is shocking to me. Um, because ju- because the, only, the only thing I can put my finger, my finger on after just talking about the 3DS, it feels a lot like Monster Hunter 4, like all those optimizations they made for a portable experience to l- yeah. less complicate hubs and shit like that, whereas World overcomplicated hubs. We're, yeah, online was really complicated in World with the, like, the flare, okay, that made yep. sense, but outside of the flares, I I never understood, like, why do I have to go to this, this it's part tradition. of this It's bullshit tradition. To, you know? uh, and there was... You know, World had the weird thing where, like, a player had to get up to the monster cutscene in a mission before the other right. players could jump in. Oh, and, so they and, don't have that. And Rise just solves that by village quests are separate from from hub quests. They're just two different things. You can go and you can play your village quests to, like, mm-hmm. level up your your village and get some of the those, like, core systems going. And then go into hub quests and just play with your friends. And it's simple and straightforward. That's one of the reasons I think Michael and I like. So I, my, I'm a convert as of World. What I, one thing that I didn't like about World that would occasionally happen is you didn't know what you were supposed to be doing at a given time to really make progress. Like I, I made the mistake sometimes of doing like all these optional missions, and I'm like, oh, I'm not my hunter rank's not going up. Versus like in Rise, it's very clear. The That's village missions are clear. like for solo it's, players it's, and it's, it's, it's way easier than the yeah. hub missions and you can, there's a lot of them. So you can tackle village missions and feel like you're playing the game and get the loop yeah. and all that and, and, and craft get, the get materials. get a bunch of awesome materials before you dig into the real yeah. progression of the game. It's, 
I think it's great. And I, I just remember playing Monster Hunter long enough to where you had key quests to unlock urgents and you had to look those up online. And now they're just like, here are your key quests, yep, here are your urgents. Exactly. Do it. Yeah. it it's, it's all, it's all, uh, just streamlined in a way where like, Sure, I liked how cumbersome old Monster Hunter was, if I'm being honest. I liked those clunky things. I liked that I had to drink a hot drink or a cold drink, and I had to remember to bring them with me on the hunt, else I failed the hunt, right? Mm-hmm. If I didn't bring my the correct drink with me, I you 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 would die, right? Um, yeah. uh, and I, I liked those kind of things. I liked, like, oh, shoot, I'm I'm low on health, low on stamina. I have to go back to camp and take a nap. Uh, you know, right. uh, I, I, have to, I have to sit down and cook some meat here because yeah. I'm out of meat. Yeah. And, uh, I like all that stuff, but it doesn't matter when, like, if you, by removing it, you make the game just so much easier for people to get into. So yeah. I have friends playing this game who, who just bounced off Monster Hunter every other time they tried. And this game, they're just loving it, you know, yeah. and, you still get at the core essence of the experience without having the annoying little things that bogged it down for a lot of people. So yeah, I love it. It's missing some of the charm stuff. Like I, I, maybe you guys have found it. There's no pet the pig moment in this game that I found. I hadn't, haven't seen a single poogie in this. Yeah. But there's the Palamute instead, which was always like a monster hunter. Like, is this doing anything? Is this actually granting me good luck? But doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. I I, I can't like, again, I, I haven't, I felt like I was required to articulate my thoughts appropriately, but like, uh, it feels more like a class, like a big classic 3DS PSP version of the game that's very mm. pretty and loads really fast. Crafting is so much easier. Everything is streamlined. But at the end of the day, I am hunting with my cat while doing sick fucking initial D drifts on my dog. Yeah. And the like, drifting on the dog is hilarious. The dog <laughs> the is, so is it Palamute or Palamute? Palamute. Pal- like, like Malamute. Yeah. They are such an amazing addition to this game because it's like, okay, that monster's taking off and running away. I'm going to hop on my dog and chase mm-hmm. after him now. Yeah. I'm going to... And the fact... I, I remember Chris just sent me a message. He goes, you can skin Sharpen monsters from the back of the, the Valamut. Like he was <laughs> shocked. He can, he's like, I just ate a ration on the back of my dog, and I'm like, yes. I didn't. I, I wasn't using him, and like you could, you can, you can climb with him. You can do yeah. all this shit. With your sharpening dog. while you're chasing after yes. the monsters. Amazing. Yeah, or, or sharpening <laughs> in the middle of a fight. And yeah. just saying, like, I'm going to climb on my dog and run around in circles so I can't be hit easily while I'm well, sharp. Not only that, normally but Wirebug, Wirebug now gives you those options to say, okay, wow. I need to sharpen. I'm going to jump up onto a cliff edge above right. the monster, sharpen, like get out of range, sharpen, and yeah. then jump back that, That's down. the one thing you can't yeah. do on the Palamut that I'm, I'm like, I wish they would have had, like, a Wirebug move. Yes, the they should have, because getting off and then Wirebug. The Wirebug is, is such a game changer because it yeah. is, like, Traveling around an insomniac Spider-Man, very yeah. much more limitedly. Well, it, it's like a ninja zipline. I think yeah. it's supposed yeah. to. Yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. But then it also yeah. introduces two combat moves per weapon yeah. that are yeah. like crucial. Like I, I, yeah. I am. I don't know why I got a bug this time in me to be like, I'm going to try ranged because I, I just ignored it in world. Just fucking, I was a charge blade guy, yeah, the hardest feel. weapon to learn. And this time I started, I'm like, oh, I like switch axe. But then I, I tried the heavy bow gun, and I'm like. Heavy Bogum's bomb in this game. It plays so differently. It's like a different game, but I fucking love it. And like one of the powers is crucial. It basically makes me invincible. I can take a hit. And then if they connect, and so there's a little bit of that, that, you know, melee game of like, are they actually trying to hit me or not? 
I have a super powerful shot that basically explodes in their face for huge damage, right? But it's it's a little bit of risk reward, right? Because I can, if if they don't hit me, and then my my wire things go away, they they can then hit you, and it's like it it adds so much fun little strategy to the fights, you know? It's it's fucking rad. Yeah, and my, my dual blades, like um, with the switch skill stuff, I've been given this ability to throw both my arms in the ground and launch in the air and dual blades if you don't know are a good starter weapon very proximitable to what you normally play as but now I can like launch myself into the air and hit people in the head whereas like only like ranged and long weapon people could do before yeah right they could connect with like a great sword because it was so long or something it feels so fucking great and it's it my Girlfriend is very receptive to video games, but like I cannot explain to her like I don't want. I have not stayed up until six in the morning to the sun come up sober. <laughs> playing it also game. feels like witchcraft that it can run on the switch. Like yeah. it's a. Yeah. It, it looks, looks so good. It looks. It looks really like good. a little. It's almost like a uh, world. World's yeah. still technically a little world bit prettier. Does not look that much better than Monster yeah. Hunter Rise. But like Chris was saying, like the load times. It feels like PS5 load times, like especially yeah. like within your village. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to warp over to this hub. Boom! It's but like it's instantaneous. It, that's that's dude. all speaks to the like ease of use of this game, right? Everything is snappier. Everything you want to do yeah. is quicker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's always like, oh, hey, in the gathering hub, everything is here now. I don't have to be like jumping yeah. around or. Hey, in the village, there's just fast travel everywhere. It's not confusing and difficult to get things. There's no load times in between the different zones in the village. Or, or if you go to your room, once you've unlocked everything, like oh, you know the the pala, the the, the mercenary thing, and all that. There's yeah. that one guy in your room that every single menu from the village he has. It's just like oh, I, I can send out guys from here. I can train guys from here. It's just like oh, and, okay. And not only is he in your room, but he's out in the the Smith area of the gathering hub. So the the hub prep zone, I think it's called. Uh, so you just have like everything consolidated in one simple place. So when you're playing with friends, you really can just stay there in the gathering hub for the most part. Um, yeah. It it is awesome. I wanted to mention yeah. one thing about the wire bug, and and it's not combat related. It's actually it changed how they could design the levels, and they're mm-hmm. so much better than World because of that. Because yeah. you can have the core tracks between the zones. And then you can have all the explorable areas that are up, like up above on cliffs and hills yeah, and stuff you can that you can anywhere. get to with the wire bugs. And yeah. so you're never, you're never so cut crazy. off from going places, uh, like you were in world where you're like, ah, how do I get there? I just, I'm lost again. Why am or I lost again? You have to again? find a vine or, to climb. In yeah. Way, and know? it's you're like, like oh, you oh. find the right vine to ju- swing across and like, no, no, none of that. You I, just, I, I wish people could see how, how slow you moved in pre monster hunter three worlds. It, yeah. It was, it was so <laughs> well, crazy. Well, even like one of the things that I like the best about this, it's not quite, it's not open world the way that uh world was, but it also does not do the thing that like every monster hunter from four backwards did where it will, render a portion of the landscape like the 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 areas where you hunt in are divided up into what are basically a bunch of rooms and you yeah. move from room to room and this time it's just like no the the hunting area is just one big seamless area and you can hunt in it and then you'll unlock more levels it's, as you it's so weird especially because this up. is for all intents and purposes the portable monster hunter well, yeah, it's weird, Michael, you one. say it's an open world. Like, I feel like the maps are as big as world. They're maybe slightly smaller, but that's exactly how world 
worked. Like, are you thinking world's maps were what, bigger? Wasn't world one big open world, or was it? No, like, no, 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 no. There no, were different no, maps. Each, was, each okay. map was open. There were different but, maps, but you couldn't you couldn't get to certain areas. You could like look at certain areas. Yeah, the wire yeah. bug changes everything. But, but what yes, I'm saying is that if they were, it's it's not segmented maps like every right. Monster Hunter up For to sure. four did. It's it's just and, big seamless yeah, yeah, maps. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. worlds was actually less seamless. I'd say to to Chris's point because really? you had yeah. to yeah because there were only certain places from which you could or through which you could access other places right. But in yeah. this, you're just like no, I want a wire bug over that hill. And you just do it. it, it uh, it's legit challenging to look at as an old Monster Hunter player. Like, how the fuck am I supposed to get up yeah. there? I'm like, so, so oh, I've had, I've had. <laughs> this is fun. My friends who are are more of veterans are having more trouble adjusting, I'd say, than the new players to the traversal. Not necessarily the the combat, but getting around, learning the maps. It's really tripping them up because they just want to stay to the lanes and go from zone to zone like you do in a Monster Hunter game. But this yeah. is like, no, that's not how you do it. Like, I, I go up over the hill every time. Like, yeah. the, the most baffling thing is, is that, like, um, I think starting in three, they gave you like your chat. They give you two companions who yeah. are supposed to approximate online players. Yeah. And they would go away if you played online. Whereas, like, I'm pretty sure I jumped in a game with four people, and all of our dogs were there. Yeah, you you, you know? keep like so you have you'll have two companions in solo in this, and one in. So you keep your dog because you're all gonna it run was, around. It yeah. looked insane. Like, how was this thing alive for this long? We are slaughtering mm-hmm. this poor monster. <laughs> How's your switch alive when there's four players on screen with four palamutes yeah. attacking giant monster? <laughs> your your companions in this one also are useful. Like, they actually hit yeah. hard. They just like in mm-hmm. world they were there. Your palico was there, but I feel like it didn't really distract the monster that much. Like in this one, it's like, oh no, I see monsters. Maybe it's because I'm a range fighter. They will focus on my palamute while I'm just like DPSing from far away yep. until yep. they finally turn their attention to me. It's like the other thing I think this game does that World took a lot longer to do is showing you all the maps. Like you see yeah. new maps so mm-hmm. quickly oh, in yeah. Rise that like World took forever to show you maps. This does something that I I also really appreciate. Like this, this was my biggest annoyance of every other Monster Hunter is that it didn't tell you what, like it told you what you were hunting for, but it didn't like show you a picture of it. So you had yeah. to like kind of guess. And yeah. then once you guess and once you found the thing, like you fought it to a point and it would run away. And if you didn't throw like a tracking barrier or whatever a at paintball. it, <laughs> yeah, you you would you would lose it and you'd have to just know where it would go. And this time around, like, if you're hunting a large monster, it just is marked on the map. If you're yeah. gathering mushrooms, they're marked on the map. Yeah. It's just, like, and it, it makes that part so much more painless. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the map is, is actually great because everything is marked on there for the most part. So you yeah. can, you pull up yeah. the map, pull up the key and say, hey, I want to, where, I want to learn where all the uh, mining points are on this map. Okay. It marks them all for you. You run through. I didn't know you could yeah. do that. Yeah, well, there's, yeah. There's actually missions in this one where I love that they have the gathering missions. So, like, your friends who are struggling with traversal, I'd say go on those missions where you don't oh, have to kill a that's monster. Where, that's where they were. Dude, my friend was, like, on the very first mission in the game, and he's played hundreds of hours of Monster Hunter. The, literally, the very first mission, he was like, I got so mad I quit the game because I couldn't find the things. They're marked in little green dots on your map. I, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, I was dude, you're giant not giant green dots. They look like to- like Ninja Turtle ooze has been dripped. Well, and if they're if they're in a different those. level, like if they're in a cave below, right? Gray, I know, but it, and that's it, probably what it, happened to them. Uh, I don't know what he was confused about. It, if honestly. you're someone like me who who does like ten rails of meth in between um, <laughs> uh, hits in Monster Hunter, uh, like you chop off someone's tail, the tails you can see on the map, and if you hold down the 
L button, you can zoom in very closely. And like yeah. I can see where everything is. This yeah. is so neat. It's great. Uh, it's it's not something like a, a new player will appreciate because there's always a lot going on in Monster Hunter. But my only my only complaint ever about World, and which I loved, was one of my games of the year, was that. Uh, to invite new players in, and I don't know this for certain, um, Micah, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, the Ultimate games were always like the um, Super Monster Hunter versions, or the Monster Hunter Plus versions, that's right. what America gets. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Monster Hunter World, and it was just like, none of this is very challenging. And I remember, like, it was very crucial you change out your armor set and, and consider uh, what kind of armor you're bringing into a battle, mm-hmm. into the previous Monster Hunters, the Monster Hunter world was just like, I built a cool monster, a uh, cool armor, and I just never fucking change it again. And this is like, oh, this is owning my ass in a fucking wonderful way. Er- like, not early on, but like, let's say mid-game in a Monster Hunter. It brings back, like, it's it's one of those things that I, I would never talk about because it's, it's intimidating to new players, but like, it's much more fun to build sets against individual monsters. But I, I wanted to ask you about that. So one thing World required that I can't tell if Rise does or not because Rise is so streamlined. Remember in World, you had to fight the monster several times and it would slowly build up the research knowledge. Like yeah, basically the you more do parts still you have gathered. To, you do still have to, but it's only like two or three times fighting. Because remember in World, you had to like straight up collect yeah, yeah. their parts and then it's like, oh, they're weak to fire. It yeah. wouldn't tell you mm-hmm. that right away. Like you, I mean, we you, have the you internet. So you look just it up online very, very easily. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, uh, but this game's great because it just has everything in there. I, I, I don't yeah. mind that you have to fight the monster once or twice before you get all the notes filled out. But, um, you know, yeah. I, I'm excited that I'm legitimately getting my ass kicked with monsters. I know their behavior like, oh, shit. Like, I did not fortify well enough. I came in here with too few potions. Shit. Because is... you're, you're, you're playing a lot of hub missions, right? You're, you're not even bothering with village missions anymore. You're no, just no, a I, hub I, I do bother with village quests because that is a quick way to not only see your surroundings and familiarize yourself with survival, but the monsters are... I saw someone... I don't know if everyone calls it that. In the mo- They're a little squishier. You can mm-hmm. beat up the monsters. Oh, a you can solo every mission in the village missions. Yeah. If you, especially yeah, if you're a monster yeah. hunter like veteran. Going, going out of your, your, your breath in the hub quest, like you could play for... I very much like beat a monster to death for 45 minutes and he's like limping and I could trap him, but I had no traps. Yeah. And I just had to start over. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I hit the time limit. That's That almost... That that never happened to me in Monster in the World. Like there was no challenge. I complained to, to Chris like if I didn't understand the difference between the village and the hub things. My first couple t- missions I went on were hub missions, and I was soloing, didn't have any upgraded oh, gear, wow. and yeah. I was getting like two shot. And I'm like, fuck, what the fuck is wrong? <laughs> and then I figured it out. And so like, if yeah. you're a solo player, just stick with the village missions for now. And then here's the hot tip, hot, hot strat from Mattyal. Uh, play like two stars beneath yourself in the hub missions, and you can yeah. pretty easily solo. Yeah, those just as just well. do the village the village missions first. It'll show you like. I stars, I recommend stars. that everyone who's new to the game or new to Monster Hunter who's playing this one, just play all the village stuff. Just do it yeah, all yeah. because it all. Yeah. it'll help you. It'll it, there's other things so that good. it unlocks. Right, you, you want to unlock the Melder. You want to get your uh, buddy do- or buddy island fully unlocked. Everything going like just if you if you stick to the village missions for a while, you'll do that. And then when your friends are around, you can hop over into hub and play with your friends. You will you um, will slaughter the hub quests with 
friends, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a l- way more difficult. Yeah, I, yeah. I've gotten mm-hmm. to a point where we're starting to lose in in Hub Quest finally, and uh, I mean, Mag- doesn't it feel Mag- good? Like Mag- oh, Magnamello is a is a tough monster. Magnamello yeah. is oh, yeah. very hard. Is it the uh, new one? The, yeah, the, that's the, the purple. That's yeah. the new one. Yeah, and it, it's the one that hard. has an amiibo that I don't want anymore. Yeah. But I can't hunt one. <laughs> I, I have to say, uh, my my only complaint about Rise right now, and it's a super weird one. It's because I'm a hunting horn pl- main. I've always been a hunting oh, horn main. Play together. I love Attaboy. hunting horn. Uh, it's too good in this game. They it's too it. easy. They nerf. They they, they they didn't nerf it. They they made it more powerful by they, making it easier. Right. Well, they buffed it and they made it easier. That's why yeah. it's it's yeah. ri- kind of ridiculous in this game. So now you can just constantly keep your songs going. Keep the heels up on everyone. Um, you, like the one that I'm using right now has two heel songs on it, and one of them has an antidote. So if we're fighting a poison monster, wow. I can just press two buttons, and everyone's healed, and they got an antidote applied nice. to them. So like the, the, the hunting horn was a version of the hammer, which was the slowest, yeah, uh, most dangerous weapon. To, like you got to be real careful with this thing. And, I, and Brett, I, I remember, became our hunting horn guy. But now when you swing. Your hammer will be weaker. I'm air quotes. Hammer will be weaker, and you will play songs that give people buffs, mm-hmm. yeah. heal them. But, and but so the like, difference between previous Monster Hunters is you used to have to kind of skillfully play the songs. You, you used had to, have to time play your song. notes, yeah. <laughs> and now it's just like smash the button. You, the you used to have to play the correct song and then hit the performance button to perform it. And now all you do is play like you're playing a hammer, basically. You go and smack the guy in the face, and it'll play songs for you while you're doing that. Yeah. And the yeah. DPS is really high on it anyway. But that's, that, um, yeah. my, my, that, my Monster Hunter World assertion was after finishing it, um, but this is like, I love that, like, uh, uh, I, I'm not that far into it. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to get really f- hard, and I have not scratched the surface yet. I, you know, I don't know how hard the core game is going to get because... Really? Uh, here's another small complaint about this game. It was it's not quite done, right? They just didn't have all the content finished because of COVID and game development is really tricky right now. More content's coming in end of April. That's mm. when we'll start getting the Apex monsters and that's when things will probably that's be what really happened with hard. World. I real it's quick, the same I, thing with World. S- yeah. Semi new segment here I wanted to talk about like if it's good that we like this because we're probably going to get more of these. So Rise, in its first weekend, sold 4 million copies. That is just on one platform. For comparison, yep. World yeah. shipped 5 million copies in three days, but across Xbox and PlayStation. So Rise <laughs> is I, selling I would faster. Guess, I would guess a majority in one country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Rise Rise is selling faster than World even. So like Monster Hunter been, is now mainstream. Japan uh, and the and the Japan offices of Capcom and I've walked across their awards. Oh, the PSP award for one million copies. Oh, the PSP award for two million. Oh, the PSP award for four million. Oh, the PSP award for seven million copies. Like uh, Japan loves. I don't know where the sales are coming from, and I don't really care. All of my saviors when I'm like having trouble have been from Japan. I'm oh yeah, they're they're it's amazing. Like this this has overtaken like you know the stories used to be like oh people take work off to play new Dragon Quest titles. That actually yep. happens with Monster Hunter well, titles. Uh, I mean, I, I, case in point, I am off work right now so that I can play Monster. At a point, I took the whole yes, yes. week off because I was like, I want to get in seventy hours. It is my game of the year. I, 
Stop listening to the show if you think I'll have something more shocking by the end of the year. This this game rules. Well, we, the best game you can own. Th- this this year's weird. We don't know anything about what's coming out for the most part. Yeah, the second half of the year is very up in the air. So. It's just all question marks. Like anything that's been announced could get delayed. There's any number of things that could get announced that we don't know about because they're probably hedging on whether they will finish them in time. And, uh, yeah. But this is, uh, this, this feels polished. It feels amazing. Uh, we didn't talk about the rampage missions because frankly, yeah. they're a little weird. But if you complain about those, let me tell you about the Monster Hunter World missions where you shoot a cannon at a big dragon for 20 minutes. So, and, uh, so I played so much Monster Hunter World and I never figured out how those worked. I just played with other people who knew how they worked. So I just follow them and do what they said to do. Um, and this game, and said, I have to take that role because my friends do not understand how these rampage missions work. They're just, it's, they're it's, just tower defense. They're tower defense. defense. It's, and tower defense horde modes. But... Tower defense in Monster Hunter, which just, they don't miss. I got rocked the first time, but then the next time, like, oh shit, I, I don't have to, I was pressing the button, like, just give me the monsters. And like, don't do that. There'll be very many monsters. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you do that. Set up your defenses. Fortify yourself. First, you'll yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's, I, I personally don't find that mode very fun. I'd rather just go. So here, here's the, as far as, as far as I, I can tell, you unlock more rampage talents the more you play. So if you play in village quest, they're not as hard in hub quests. Cause you, yeah. like, hmm. once you can get, like, get bamboo bombs and cannons, which you can't get. Uh, oh really? On. Okay, because the first yeah. time I played a rampage mission, I had all that right. stuff available have, like, to me. Yeah. So play the village quest rampages, and then you'll get a better rampage level, and you can drop a bunch of other tower defense shit and murder like six monsters at once with three friends instead of one. It, it, and um, they do let you carve the the big bad at least after it's done too. So it's like a hunt, you know. And they drop a bunch of shit. It's like it. This all feels too much and crazy that I, I'm led to believe. Something nutty and hard is headed my way. I haven't. Have you guys tried the arena missions at all? I really like the arena yeah. missions in World. I haven't tried them in Rise yet. Yeah, they're they're, they're fine. They're just not as plentiful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I think I think there's enough options. Uh, whatever. But Monster and Rise, my game of the year. It's good. Love it. All right. Well, is it finally finally time to move on to? I, uh, I'm going to try something a little different this week. Uh, I've written I've written a poem to introduce this next segment. It's actually a, a haiku, if you will. It is now the time for a thing we like to call Hollywood segment. Oh, God damn it. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima is getting a movie adaptation, guys. Ghost of Tsushima movie. It's coming. Yeah. I did see somebody saying like, oh, but... The, the search for who's going to play Jin Sakai is on, and people are saying, like... What are you kidding? It's going to be Stephen Ewan, like, yeah. after he wins an Oscar. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm down with that, but people were saying, like, well, what about the actor who plays him in the game? And like, Yeah, well, exactly. I know he's not Japanese, but you know that won't matter to the people mm-hmm. casting this. Well, it's, it's true. it should matter to them, and uh, I, think, I think the actor from the game... Uh, you know, he's a video game actor, so it might yeah. be a, a a stretch for uh, Hollywood execs to get behind that. But that would be such a great move. In he's terms also the of... voice in Invincible right now, which is like a hugely popular show. So he's oh you know. yeah, Steve Steve Yen. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. That show is great. Please watch Invincible yes. on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. What I recommend is if you want to watch that show, go read the comic because I, I think it's better. I think. I, I it, uh, <laughs> Mike, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite comics of like the last 10 years. I think the show is different. In, it it is. enough that's not scary. Like Walking Dead. I hated the show Walking yeah. Dead. I love no, the comic. I, 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 Sorry, we're not talking about game news, but we are talking about Hollywood, right? So we are. I, I, Hollywood I, news. I saw people speculating. They're like, "Is this going to be like a Kurosawa movie? Like, are they going to have a black and white filter?" Yeah, I mean, have... no. It'll probably be like <laughs> the. It'll probably be like a the Monster Hunter movie, Zack Snyder know? movie. It'll be <laughs> yeah. a Zack Snyder it'll, movie. It get directed by fucking Paul W S. Yeah, Anderson. exactly. <laughs> That movie came and went, and we didn't even say anything about it. Like, no, we did yeah. not. Well, you know, if you can't say anything good, uh, <laughs> ignore it and move on. Uh, yeah. So here's the the good news is, even if this is bad, the game is great, and just go watch Kurosawa movies because those are excellent yeah. and amazing, <laughs> and what they were going for basically. So start with Rashomon. That's the best one. I, I kind of did. I actually, well, I started with Ooh, the Outrage, which is the American remake of Rashomon, uh, which is also pretty good, but not as good as the original. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I always forget if this is ID at Xbox or id at Xbox, but anyway, it's Xbox's indie label thing. Right. They had a, a showcase event where um, they revealed that 20, over 20 games are coming day one to Xbox Game Pass, and that was out of like, there's like a hundred indie games they showcased there. I just kind of pulled a couple that were, I'd say, the bigger ones. Uh, so first of all, Hello Neighbor 2. So Hello Neighbor is getting an official sequel. That might not be big to us, but kids love My friend's Hello kids Neighbor. love that fucking game. They, they, will have, they will have that guy tattooed on their arm. <laughs> uh, one that looked cool crazy. to me, it's called Moonglow Bay. It's a fishing RPG set in 1980s Canada, which it's what? it's in voxel style. It looks looks really neat. Uh, and then last one, this one is like a, an all-star team. It's called Astria Ascending. Did you guys see the trailer for Astria Ascending? Oh. It looks like a Vanillaware title. I don't think it is Vanillaware, but like in terms of style, it looks like that. But it's written by Final Fantasy X and VII remake uh, writer uh, Kazushige Nojima. And the music is composed by Final Fantasy XII's Hitoshi Sakimoto. So it's kind of got like an all-star RPG team. Oh, and it's turn-based. I love me some old-school turn-based RPGs. So. Right. Oh, that was the, the, the last thing I had for 3DS uh, shortcomings and technical issues. By the way, I'm going to get it out here. You can edit it out if you want. Nintendo... Uh, if you submitted a game to them and your address looked like a home address, they would reject it automatically because they didn't want any of you namby-pamby indie developers submitting things to the 3DS. Oh, well. If it wasn't a commercial address, they would reject your game outright. Damn. Another reason why the 3DS almost... Now, and it, since then, now they have the Nindies. Now they are the shovelware. They'll be porn on that system in like two weeks. So. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, more Microsoft news. They also added a bunch of backwards compatible games to their cloud gaming service, including um, a bunch of Bethesda stuff. So like Oblivion, the Fallout, I think Fallout New Vegas I saw was one of them. So um, yeah, the G Game Pass just keeps getting better and better, uh, which is good because I don't know if you guys saw the Games with Gold for this month, but they were a little light. A little, it's, little, it's like little. they're trying to get you to unsubscribe from it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then uh, corrections. We don't have a correction sound, but if we did, this is where we'd play it. We call it the pull and boner segment. Uh, I need to clarify. Pull so last week, I was a little confused on what was going on with the Sony store stuff. It's along the same lines, but 
Sony had previously shut down the online stores for uh, PS3 and Vita and PSB like sometime last year. Like that was a long time ago. What had happened though, there was a workaround that they Mm. suddenly pulled this week as well. So like it was kind of like, you know how Chris, you got your PS5. Like if you have a direct link, you can put stuff in your cart or whatever. They disabled that workaround. So that the online, that was the part of the online shop that, that finally did get shut down. Then they confirmed that the actual on-platform stores, PS3, Vita, PSP, are going away. Uh, So PS3 and PSP is July 2nd of this year, and then the Vita shop is shutting down August 27th of this year. You you don't want to do it on the same day. That's too much work people to well, shut down digital servers and then and then you know everyone's biggest fear for now is not being realized you will still be able to download anything you already own on those platforms after that yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah oh, okay that's a so all it all it all for now as of this summer all that is stopping is anyone who is wanting to buy those things new first time for them uh, that's yeah, going any, away. Any South American maniac wandering into the PSN store like I demand this PS3 game and I don't do a good Brazilian accent. But but I feel like the people who've been covering this have kind of been doing consumers a disservice because all the articles are like, go download those now because you don't know how long they'll be around. And I'm like, well, hmm. we know it'll be at least. I mean, a few you months won't be able. If there's the anything you've been putting off buying, maybe do that. Sure. All, yeah, that PS3 game you've been dying to I, purchase. I thought they stopped that months ago. So, like, I thought the article was the article was from a website I'd never heard of that was confirming you would never be able to download any of these games again. No, so they've they've clarified once more. Yeah, chicken little horse shit. It's great to be alive, but it's but it's also like you don't know because the the logical next step in people's brain is okay. Well, they've disabled the stores, so now eventually disabling being able to get your purchases could be next and it's like yeah if you if you have anxiety or worried about that shit download those to some kind of external storage device we're living in the worst year of our entire lives where everyone we know is dead and we have to wear masks all the time don't play a game you liked on the ps vita fuck a man well do something you you've never been able to do before (laughs) i think i think one of the reasons people so here's an example though why people worry is like we, we talked about it on last week's show so a story came out this week. The source code for Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2, mm-hmm. the originals, gone. just fucking gone, just obliterated. Hell Can't no. get them. So the, so you know that remaster collection that's coming mm-hmm. out? That's That has the Sigma versions, and they explained the reason mm-hmm. it has the Sigma versions is because we can't find the source code. I think they also said they lost the, the black source code, like Ninja oh Gaiden God. Black. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you just can't. And that that's the problem people have with a lot of all this digital stuff. Like, and Ninja Gaiden sure had physical release, and it's a little bit unrelated. Well, but it's that's it's kind that's of the like a, a Japanese developer thing. It's I think, a fit. Japanese developer Tecmo problem. And like, yeah, God why would we was... keep the source code? The game is out. Who cares? I mean, I, I think I can speak for ourselves as pod. Like, no one's gonna want a raw, ver- unedited version of our podcast nope. from. 10 years ago but i still have it but what what this is more like is like if george lucas had not kept the originals of the star wars movies in on Mm -hmm. some which he claims he didn't yeah i mean (laughs) yeah i don't believe that for a second like those exist somewhere right but but that's the thing that it's it's that because basically the sigma version the black version straight up change sub-segments of Ninja Gaiden 1 and if you prefer those original there is currently other than having your 
Xbox version, which I think is black, backwards compatible or whatever. There's no way to play compatible. Those. Yeah, there's there's, there's no way to play the original. Yeah. Which is it's a, it's a bummer. Uh, another bummer. Um, so Reggie, you know, we talked about Reggie had joined the Reggie board Fisa of GameStop. May. Yeah. Yeah, Re- Reggie Fizeme. Um, he's out. He's out after a year. It, I don't want to put motives behind why he did that, but I have to imagine. It was for money to create a headline, and he never talked to those people again. And so I don't care, and I don't I don't know what... Given what we talked about 10 years ago, when Reggie was fully involved, uh, not unlike my um, Firehouse sub, uh, <laughs> I, don't I don't care what, what he has to I don't say. know what that joke is referencing. I, don't, <laughs> I, I was trying to think of... Was it a Firehouse sub that's fully involved? Uh, I don't care what... Reg, Reggie doesn't have anything to offer any business that that i could think of i mean i th- I think he was a damn fine manager of nintendo of america you know he's he, he ran i know but people attribute a lot to him and um i don't know i worked at a japanese company sure. no americans given any power well he's right but he, he was a sales and marketing executive right and yeah. during a, a period when nintendo's sales and marketing were very very strong so you know chris you would uh, not have the bigfoot pizza without this man and that right? is true as well lo- yep I love the Bigfoot pizza. It's like a fucking doormat of pizza. It's delicious. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> wish someone made- so speculation is behind the scenes, there's been a lot of upheaval at GameStop in general with their management, though, where it's basically kind of they brought in a whole new management team. Uh, and the, the guy was a retired millionaire. He had nothing, nothing over those people. And probably if you wanted to work, he'd keep working at Nintendo, a successful company. And he's a millionaire and he's done working. God, I envy him. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think he still wanted to be involved in games to some extent, and it was an opportunity to make some money and maybe try to help a company that uh, is not doing that well. And maybe he has friends over there, you know, from yeah working in the well, industry. Well, he, for he, so he talked long about and, retail is still important. You yeah. know, he didn't want to completely lose retail. The problem is I'm he joined, him. and then COVID happened, and then yeah. the weird GameStop meme stock thing happened you know it's it's uh yeah well in between that they were making headlines for not closing their stores and declaring them essential yeah. businesses yeah. at the beginning yeah. of this thing and I, I'll, I'll go on record saying game stops have never been more interesting the whole store is stacked wall to wall like oh that's a dark wing duck quantum mechanics figure next to a rick and morty section i've never wanted to be here more uh but I tend to get my games elsewhere. <laughs> I, really, yeah. I, uh, I do. It does seem like, yeah, their core business model of, of selling used yeah, games. And no, one, no one talks about this that much, but like two of our, where I am now in Florida, two of our game stops are in Walmart shopping centers. Cause Walmart, oh, really? yeah, Walmart creates a shopping center. And there's, there's these parasitic companies. That oh follow them everywhere. yeah, 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 yeah. I, every single game in Walmart is automatically $10 off. So how does a GameStop survive there? Their their pre-order or their their, their pre-owned shit uh, scams don't even make any sense at that point. Yeah, because um, it's usually just five dollars off a new yeah, game, price, right? So. It, it, like you just go next door to Walmart, and they, I've never heard of Walmart even brag about this, but there are no sixty-dollar games at Walmart. None. They're all fifty, and the Nintendo games are forty. Damn, all of them are ten dollars off physically, um, and I have still. Downloaded a game because I wanted it at midnight, and it's COVID, and they're not open. Do you guys uh, remember when games, the GameStop model was so successful that, like, the Walmarts and Best Buys of the world were copying them? Oh, like, I remember being on podcasts <laughs> with uh, companies who did those things, and, like, 
I'm not allowed to talk. I'm not allowed to talk about how like there's not a lot of pawn shops that would accept kids fucking currency other than GameStop. What a shitty business. <laughs> if Fox News got wind of a guy be a, a, a child being able to pawn his baseball glove for video games, we'd never not hear about it. But GameStop did it all day long. Only currency kids have is their old games, and they stole it from them. They sold it at a 30% markup. Fuck GameStop. But I like their shift. <laughs> I don't want to see them go away. I like a game store. I, I like having a specialty re- re- uh, retailer. Specialty retailer. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And, and like the that. employees there have never been more fun. They're not jerks. They're not record store people. I love GameStop employees. And they're knowledgeable. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's yeah, what you get totally with a specialty retailer no. is they know about the products they sell, you know? like Ah, uh, shit. Sorry, buddy. I heard it the other day. The Amiibos come out on Wednesday, not Tuesday. You fucking bitch. I mean, I thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all the news that is fit to play. All right. Well, let's move on to our community segment, which, as always, is segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what's your favorite game that can't be easily emulated, whether for hardware or other reasons? Micah, you weren't here last week. Is there a is there a beloved game that uh, you can't that can't be easily recreated at home for you? Yeah, uh, it, it, I was just thumbing through the answers that people submitted, and one of them sort of relates to, to the one uh, that I would say, but that's uh, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat for the GameCube. Ah, um, oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, So I, I was never into Donkey Konga because I just don't really care about rhythm games, but uh, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat was just, oh, the hotness back in the day. Yeah, that a, plat- a platformer using the rhythm game's controls. Yeah. yeah. And that, if people don't know, it was, the controller that you used for that was a set of bongos that you plugged into your GameCube, and you, uh, you would drum on the bongos to make Donkey Kong run, and you'd drum both of them to make him jump, and, uh, you'd clap to make him punch, uh, and it was just so much fun. It was the, uh, the EAD Tokyo's first game, essentially, who, who oh, became yeah. the, the Mario, the Mario team at Nintendo. Um, oh. and, and so it, you see a lot of early, uh, Mario Galaxy ideas being tested out in Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. Now it's a 2D game, so a little different, oh. but there, yeah. there's a lot of playing around with physics, you know, there's things like you jump into this, like, jelly stuff that you swim slowly through and then can jump back out of and there's a lot of platforming based around that there's uh, if you play that game you can really see the mario galaxy dna but yes that would be my answer lovely game uh what a wonderful answer mike uh because those donkey konga bongos were like a dime a dozen yep. two years ago and <laughs> now I've, I've gone to specialty stores they are escalating to like 30 40 bucks oh yeah controller. I, uh, during covid all gamecube stuff uh, I, skyrocketed dude, uh, i was i was told that by my local awesome game store I've been there for 20 years during covid every collector price has gone up 30 to 20 like 30 to 40 yep. percent yep oh, yeah. so so my gamecube collection and my magic card collection has just skyrocketed yeah. nice <laughs> you know somewhere in an alternate dimension there is like a skinny bald version of matthew mcconaughey who got arrested while playing donkey conga bongos a little naked of course i was, I was yeah. at the store and like uh, I, my <laughs> i showed wrong, you guys all my, wrong, my, wrong. <laughs> for my birthday <laughs> For my birthday, my mother handed me a, a, a box that was of a good N64, joke. <laughs> Thank you. all my N64 games, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if these are worth anything. And I look, and like, the gold launch Zelda Ocarina of Time cartridge is worth a hundred dollars loose. Whoa. And like, uh, don't what a f- don't tell me that. I I gave a, an ex girlfriend of mine all of 
164 games I owned oh, at one oh, year. And I, I lived gone. in a house where my <laughs> my friend's ex-girlfriend sold every GameCube thing I ever had. Like, I'm still livid about that. Like, you should be. Fuck! You pissed her off so much she sold my shit? <laughs> if, you, uh, if you really want to be pissed, you will remember, though, that... That game, because it was in 64, I think cost 70 to $80 that money. So actually, yeah, that is yeah. uh, depreciated in value. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it did. And also, like, if I sw- I'm a collector, too, and I don't buy that much stuff. But, like, if you buy a loose cartridge, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Get a box. <laughs> or emulate something. Mm-mm. I mean, I'll buy a loose cartridge if, like, I just need to play this game for the show or whatever. But, um... No, you wouldn't. For what system? There's no cartridge you All wouldn't right, emulate it's in loose five discs. Who cares? You w- <laughs> On VigiGameApocalypse.com, Giant Short Stacks says, I don't think games come much harder to emulate than Namco's 1991 light gun shooter, Golly Ghost. The game incorporates electromechanical elements and a reflective pane of glass to create the illusion that you're shooting pixel art ghosts projected in front of a diorama of a Victorian-era mansion. The whole machine is controlled by the game's driver board, which uses solenoids to slam doors, fling open chests and drawers, and even raise and lower a toilet seat as cartoon spooks come (laughs) bouncing out of them. Yes, this is a ticket redemption game where you can shoot a ghost back into a toilet. There is a main version of the game, but it doesn't really do the game justice without the Pepper's ghost effect. In fact, the unique build and pinball machine dimensions of the game made it such an arcade rarity that I spent years believing that my chance encounter with it at a celebration station sometime in the early 90s was a dream or hallucination. Honestly, I think the only way to properly emulate this sort of game involves rebuilding it in VR where things like physically rendered materials and depth of vision can actually recreate the special ghostly effect originally developed by John Henry Pepper in 1860. I love the reference to Pepper's ghost effect. Um, By the way... The best simulation of this game is Pops Ghostly. We all know Pops Ghostly <laughs> is the best version of this game. Uh, but, but but this is um uh the, the most fun I've had during the pandemic is rebuilding old arcade machines and this would be one with Etsy and like designs like you could build this house again and hmm. figure out a way to project this stuff. This would be so much fun to rebuild. Yeah, it it seems like it's it's a combination mechanical game and video game, which is yeah. I, I, for me, this game is synonymous with Chuck E. Cheese. Wow. It was at every Chuck E. Cheese, and uh, and and kids fucking love this thing because it looked like real ghosts in front of them. It was so yeah. cool. It's the same effect as the haunted mansion at Disneyland. You know, it's just yeah. You light you light a mechanical thing that is reflected by a clear screen in front of it. It's that's the Pepper's ghost effect, but it's fucking. It's one of the most effective special effects to this day that still works. Yeah. Yeah. The worst name, uh, not a great game, but like I'll never forget it. I love it. I love Golly Ghost. I would cool. love to work on restoring one of these machines. Uh, before I get too drunk, which I am, mm-hmm. um, let me get to Num and uh, Eight. Num Nate, is that is that is that your parentheses? No, he put that. He put that in there. Awesome, Num Nate. Uh, uh, this may be, may not fully comply with the question of the week, but there, uh, is no Vidya in the game. However, ice cold beer, oh, yes. uh, yeah, we're all with you, mm-hmm. is one of my favorite arcade experiences that will never, ever be truly emulated. I heard Jeff Gersman talk about this game in like, at like several times, uh, hearing of it, much less seeing one. Uh, I finally got to play the thing at Pittsburgh Replay FX convention. 
uh, they had not one but two of the arcade the arcade games. Uh, you guys can explain it better, but the simple premise of of moving a rod up and down to guide a ball into the holes seems easy. Uh, wow, I could reach uh, reach hole six. I got to eight. That was my yeah, name. Wow. Sorry. Uh, of the ten target holes, the game uh, brought nothing but fun frustration. COVID has claimed the life of this yearly convention, and assets have been sold off. I sometimes sob quietly to myself that I most likely will not be able to put my hands on one of these machines ever again. I believe when an arcade opened in San Francisco, Michael and Dave and other people messaged me separately, like, ice cold beer is the new way. Yeah. I was there, and I think I'm, yeah. We, was, for we were there for, like, party. Dave's birthday party. Yeah. 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 And they had the ice cold beer. So it's, it is a mechanical game where, like he says, you have this rod that basically a pinball is balancing on and you have to crank these handles to tilt the rod to try to aim and get this pinball into certain holes. Like that's it. It's such a simple premise. It's so, it's so simple, but like it feels like an iPhone game, but it's also, it is so intuitive and fair. You can juggle this thing, like having never played the game before because the controls work so well. And, and, I think the the irony you want to own this. This is one of those machines that like you need to to know how to fix things to maintain yeah. this machine. Like that, that's the thing. I think I found it, and it's just like, well, it's it's like a couple grand, which is relatively cheap for an old arcade game. But no, not not even close. N- but go ahead. Okay, um, but but the, just thinking about the maintenance costs, like they they have to right. be ridiculous. So as someone, I, I I'm I'm I, I I'm not gonna buy any. I love, I'm in a bunch of arcade collector communities and weirdly these prices have gone down since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, if you will come pick this up and you know how to fix it, because uh, who are you going to get to fix this? And sorry, I got it wrong. It's not a crank. It's two joysticks. It's just a joystick yeah. is, is yeah. The, that's where it's, it's the, the it's video a, it's a game really, part kicks in. It, to me, this is, this is up there in like the top five fun arcade games, but it's really hard to maintain. If you play a bad one, you'll know it. Um, and it, it, it it'll feed every game instinct of everyone's brain. The price has gone down for this. I remember sending it to Dave. I think I found one for like 1500, but like if it breaks, you were looking at like a $3,000 yeah. Bill. Yeah. From from a guy who has to fly in likely to your state. Yeah. From the official Laser Time community on Facebook, Tom Jacques says Ikari Warriors is like this. Games with unique control mechanisms are technically emulatable, but not playable, at yeah. least not accurately. Yeah. yeah. It has the, the clicky mm-hmm. joystick that you can turn and it yeah. reorients your character. And like, yeah, you could play that twin stick, it wouldn't be the same. I think. Now, hold uh, on. There, there are new arcade sticks that you can um, you can flick twist? a button and the huh that you can twist. You can like twist. That? Yeah, that you can flick a button oh. and you can change the orientation uh, or like change them from eight way to four way. I don't know if they specialize. But this is for different because you warrior. twisted the stick different. to turn to turn your character. It's yeah, like turning. No, I know what you're saying, yeah. but like. You could do that with that the same system, Maybe. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I be. think I think other things that I've played with it, like uh, map that movement to like the L and R buttons on the controller. Like okay, you're just like tap tap tap. It's not quite the same. It's not as cool, but uh, yeah, yeah, true. So Matthew Lagrave says, when I was on a big GameCube nostalgia kick, I went and got Donkey Konga in oh, the Bongo oh. controllers. Hey, emulation would need to be able to read the Bongo controllers for proper effect. 
And I also found out I needed a standard def TV. <laughs> the games know. were old enough not to have a calibration option for HD TV delay, so the notes didn't match with the music otherwise. That's interesting. Hmm. I haven't tried to emulate Donkey Konga. Because you could... I, I have my bongos in my closet. Uh, and you can use the GameCube adapter on PCs. So, Matthew, if you are looking to try... It, it probably would work, but I wonder what the delay would do for it. Yeah. On, mm. like, it's the Parappa um, problem. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. I, I, I never get tired of <laughs> that you can go online and find PC adapters for all this sh- this shit. There's some guy who makes a living selling $3 adapters for yeah. Donkey Kong. <laughs> some company, probably. Uh, based in China, I'm guessing. Um, anyway, uh, uh, some somebody... Chris Baker, I don't know how to pronounce this. Chris Baker. Uh, Chris Baker says, I've never felt as ridiculous or as wiped out playing a game as I did Namco's horse racing arcade game, (laughs) Final Furlong. Imagine the last movie Edward Furlong was ever. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine two horse controllers placed side by side, like motorcycles for hang on. Great choice, Matthew. They're incredibly uncomfortable, but you're mainly kind of just hovering over your horse anyway. You proceed to move the metal stirrups up and down as quickly as you can in what one can only describe best as a two-handed jerk-off motion. Throw in the (laughs) inevitable series of pelvic thrusts that results from such actions and positioning, and it's hardly a surprise to find that a British 90s gaming show called Games Master ended its run in 1998 with two Maxim models playing. As physically fit as they are, you can tell that they're really winded at the end of it as well. (laughs) It's not the kind of game you play more than once per visit to ESPN Zone. I don't recommend it as a mating call either. And there's a great pancakes at the ESPN Zone. (laughs) Uh, But look, look at that video Baker sent because it is like, man, you thought like Taito had dated ads with bikini-clad women. They made these women on British television ride these horses. Like, basically ride these horses like they were penises. It looks ridiculous. They get tired. Every Even the audience feels bored. It's so crazy. <laughs> this is the kind of game that, especially at ESPN Zone, like you knock back some jalapeno poppers, and it's just like you're pumping the fart out of your body directly. Like when you're, you're, you're in that for. squat. That's what it's... Yeah. It's a yeah. fart-pumping machine. <laughs> that, I'm surprised that's not a Japanese arcade exists. machine where you're just pumping a fart. As a guy who's spent the whole day with stuck sneezes, if something could draw a fart out of me, I would pay them all the time. Uh, Mike Amari says, couldn't do a video this week, so here's my question of the week answer. Silent Scope. Uh, oh, yeah. Actually, that's a Michael considered that one. Mm-hmm. A sniper game with a giant sniper rifle with an LCD embedded in the scope has been the dream cabinet for me to own. I played this in the sit-down version of Pod Racer all the time at Funtime USA in Brooklyn during the heyday of Please Play at the Arcade of the late 90s, early 2000s. Silent Scope is partially responsible for getting me into marksmanship as a sport and is a game I would love to play at home. Huh. I didn't have to get into this too much with the fellows when we discussed that episode, but Silent Scope did come up. But I was in a Japanese arcade, and they had a ton of Silent Scope arcade games but they were all iphone ports um things you could do on your iphone uh but like silent scope in particular that that uh orientation benefited the game greatly and they yeah like like i've never seen that many widescreen calibrated like where the widescreen is turned 
Am I making sense here? I'm looking at you guys. Um, it's turned right side up. That's how the Silent Scope games are played. Oh, right, right, right. But it's, it's also like so unique. Like they could have just made the scope a magnifying glass, but it was a separate yeah. LCD tied to your motion, tracking where you're aiming on the screen. It do was you, like magic. Do you remember what the, how the the home version worked? That it was no. uh, you would like so because they couldn't oh. do the LCD screen in the controller, there was like a button on the rifle where if you looked through the scope, it would zoom in on, like it would make the game zoom in. Oh, that's not the same. So, no, but, but I, I feel like Very that's the thing. The you could do that. Now you could make a cost effective home controller for sniper scope with an embedded the, the LCD side screen. In, um, the side in uh, main controllers that, that work off LCD televisions, look into them and they're, they're like a hundred bucks mm-hmm. a piece and I don't have them yet. But I feel like that's something Foon would do. And then he would play doom in the scope or yes. something like that. You know, absolutely. So from Twitter at Jedwards two, four, five says, the Dreamcast is one of my favorite systems, so when I was looking into emulators for it, I was dismayed by how hard it was to emulate. I was looking forward to showing my kids games like Panzer Dragoon and Jet Set Radio. Dreamcast games need a better alternative. So, I'm assuming that you were legally trying to emulate this game, meaning that you own the games that on disc for Dreamcast, so just plug in your Dreamcast and let them play there. Uh... But yeah. otherwise, uh, I was not aware about the difficulties emulating the Dreamcast so, games. Some of those games have made their way to Steam, I think. Or maybe yeah, that was no. Jet Set Radio Future. That's I don't think no. there was ever a Panzer Dragoon on Dreamcast. No, no, there is all... the uh, Panzer Dragoon uh, quote-unquote the remake. And there's, there's, there's Orta on, on uh, via emulation through Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So, as the Dreamcast guy who bootlegged the shit out of everything... My funniest story is like I was working on a video feature while working at Capcom and we couldn't find the Dreamcast games in the office and I had to look into Dreamcast emulation. I'd say I got it working, but I did not because I encountered the most horrific viruses just by going to those sites I've ever encountered in my entire life. And I have never in my life had to call IT for anything other than like me spilling water on my machine. Like it was like, oh God, just Googling this like... I have all the viruses, and I've never done it since, but, but I've figured out everything up to Saturn emulation. Hmm. Dreamcast emulation, it's a mystery to me because yeah. it gave me debilitating viruses. Hmm. Um, uh, Dreamcast also has a VGA uh, adapter for so that you can plug it into your monitor yep. in hmm. case you that. don't have ways to hook it up to a, a CRT television oh, yeah, or something. And I have like three Dreamcasts in my house for some reason, so like I didn't. I'm not going to pursue this. Like, I can just hook this up. To, that's like, that's most, what I'm saying. Capture machine. I, I think a Dreamcast is a little more accessible than, like, say, if you had an NES sitting around your house. There's no way for you to plug that in at all, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, but a Dreamcast, you can you can get that working. The one thing about a Dreamcast is uh, all the VMUs are dead, right? Every VMU, unless you were replacing the batteries every three years, all of them are dead uh, long, long ago. Oh, they don't last <laughs> three years. Uh, right, yeah. I, I remember when I got to college in 2001 and was like, oh, let's play Power Stone 2, which I think came out in 2001. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I've unlocked everything already, guys. And then hop in game. Oh, no, no, my VMU's <laughs> dead and I lost all my saves. <laughs> I, I think all, all my VMU's are dead is a great nerdcore <laughs> punk rock song. It's fucking awesome. Uh, and JD Buffington says, Space Harrier is emulated somewhere, sure, but the giant hydraulic simulator experience 
There was only one in Tulsa as I was a kid, and every time we went to that strip mall that I saw so many movies at, I had to play it. Bullet hell with a mechanical rocking chair. Yes. Yeah. That's badass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, we have a video response from J.R. Rawls, who says... Hey, Laserinos, J.R. Rawls here. Question of the week. What's your favorite game that can't be easily emulated? And I have to go with being a 23-year-old English teacher in Japan at the turn of the century. Mm. Uh, this was something I personally did, and I've tried to emulate it, and it just can't work. Because 23-year-old me had unlimited time to play a rail game where you were like on a magical truck adventure and you pumped a handle up and down, up and down. And that wouldn't really work in emulation form. I also played a balancing game where all you do is try to balance. And the second you unbalance, the second you lose the game. I also played a DJ game where I got to spin tracks with my mad, mad DJ skills that only a 23-year-old clueless white guy can have. Of Tons of punching games where I got to let out any frustrations I had. Uh, drumming games where I got to show how I have no musical talents. I got to walk a dog. How can you beat a walking dog game? Uh, then I also got to run a tram while being there, playing the bongo drums, again, showing off my complete lack of musical talents. A uh, fishing game with an actual fishing pole that is as successful as regular fishing. A ping pong game where you get to play ping pong in the middle of a street. You get to play ping pong with the Leaning Tower of Pisa. A Morocco game where I got to shake them like I had the Moroccan death ability and use them as nunchucks. That did not work out well at all. A firefighter game where you got to shoot an actual hose at a fire. Oh, yeah. You got to be a Tokyo bus guide where you were driving around a Tokyo bus with all the thrills. An ambulance game where you got to sit in a cockpit and drive an ambulance. You got to simulate what it was like to be an American trucker. Uh, and as my favorite, Captain Flag, where you actually had to do flag movements and a little robotic flag creature would judge if you're good at flag or not. So like a semaphore? racing game. The Japanese do love to gamble, and this is a way <laughs> to uh, gamble, hint, hint, wink, wink, legally nudge nudge know what i mean little racetrack horses would go around and you would bet on them and you get tokens which you could get exchanged for money it also had a printout card of your score you can't really simulate that uh you also got to drive a trolley you know Jan japan loves its trolleys and other forms of mocha lotion uh that and this guy, a yellow orange man. I think this is the famous Concho man, but I can't really remember. So tons of crazy games uh, Concho, when I was a young Concho man, man that I just can't experience. Stop it! The former president is coming out. Think fondly of. Him. All right. I, well, thank you. I was I was worried he wasn't going to mention the Concho game because he was like <laughs> mentioning every single. Uh, arcade game that came out from 2000 to 2005, and uh, and I was like, oh, he better mention that Concho game, but yeah. he got to it, so good. It's Boonga Boonga. We talked about yeah. it, and yeah, yeah. now you don't you don't actually get to Concho a, a, a dude unless there's more than one Concho game. In which case, wow, I don't think so. I no, think it's, they never. We talked about it. They didn't officially even release it. There's like eight of those games out. Yeah. Or something. Like it's, yeah. 
So new question of the week. Uh, what is your favorite 3DS memory? We are at the 10-year mark on this system. What a, what better time to look back and uh, and pick out our favorite moments? I think, weirdly enough, my favorite moment might actually be the first time that I saw it when we were at that press conference that Nintendo did at E3 and they they let attendees go up and see it in person and it was like tethered to a woman's belt so i had yeah, to like stand it was there really and like, weird we're just just looking at these like dioramas that were i think the the same dioramas that would be like the the street pass puzzle pieces that you get yep. later yeah and yep. just like you know 3d vistas of mario flying or whatever and like forming that idea of like oh it's it's like looking into a window Rather than like mm-hmm. it, the thing isn't popping out at you, but it's like you look into a window and you see this 3D right. scene, and uh, like just trying to make awkward conversation with the the woman standing that was the there best so part. that it wasn't creepy, even though it totally was. I, I played the 3DS pre-release three times in at least two different cities, tethered to a human woman, yeah, to her belly button. N- Nintendo and, has like, since. Completely stopped doing that, which is Good. great. Yeah, but. sir. They've uh, like, they've kidnapped the booth babes. What, what, <laughs> did did we get the three DS? It's not even back? a booth babe thing. Like, uh, like, uh, hold on, I'm not done yet. Please remain for my preview. I, it felt awful. Yeah, I hated it. And I, there's pictures of me next to it. Thanks for making me a part of that Nintendo. Yeah. There, were, there was one a few years ago where it was like. Uh, someone, women would walk around with switches because the lines were so long, right? At the, I think the Mario Odyssey year. So yeah. 20, yeah, 2017. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they'd, they'd have women walking around in the crowds with switches, uh, attached to their belts and you'd, you'd like flag them down and they'd have to stop and stand there while you played the game for, for like, like 10 minutes or whatever. Hire <laughs> maybe other, you know, genders and then maybe let them put it on their wrist. Don't make it sexual and weird. And Nintendo did. Uh, but I, 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 yeah, I love the 3DS. Um, I did say my favorite memory of it was working on Monster Hunter, the internet and power going out and the whole Monster Hunter team and ev- the whole community team, the whole marketing team, just getting in a room in the dark as the, he- the heat started to crank in California when the AC was out, we're all playing internetless Monster Hunter. Um, which is pretty magic. Uh, if you think like about like, think about kids who had a 3DS 10 years ago who don't have access to all internet hotspots. Um, 3DS still worked, man. Still worked. They all fucked after that, but they don't talk about it. They all agreed not to talk about <laughs> Very it. Very few of us have ever fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my, my favorite experience would probably also be Monster Hunter related, although I, I sort of mentioned that already. Uh, beyond that, uh, bringing in the 3DS every day to work and playing Mario Kart 7, which was just a really great Mario Kart game after I didn't really care for Mario Kart Wii that much. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so Mario Kart 7 was just like such a great Mario Kart game. And, uh, and then the, like Chris has been mentioning, like the ad hoc multiplayer just worked so well. So, like, everyone, if you work at a game company, everyone buys the latest gaming handheld because you bring it in the office, you play with everyone around you. Like, it's just such an obvious thing to do. Um, And the 3DS was just excellent for that. Uh, And then street passing. Uh, I mean, we mentioned it a lot, but 
again, working in the industry, I think it made Street Pass even different because you're going to cons all the time. You work in an office where dozens of people have 3DSs. So every day you're checking in with multiple people um, and just make it. It was so awesome to do that. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. 3DS was great. And I, I want I wanna, a, a quick plug for. New Super Mario Brothers 2. I hate all new Super Mario Brothers games except for two, which made coins important again, and they were reliant on your lives and all that shit. And the Street Pass was amazing because it's not like here's the highest score of the best player in the universe. And like you just walk past this idiot at a Coke machine, he's got a higher score than you. Um, can you beat him? If you beat him, you get a bonus. And Brett and I open up our shit like all the time. Like, uh, just someone we walked past has a higher score. Let's see if we can beat his ghost. Super Mario Brothers 2, um, a new Super Mario Brothers 2. Sorry, I'm drunk and tired. Uh, one of my favorite memories being in Japan, for sure. So I think mine, um, is sort of Street Pass related. So, you know, my day job, I'm like an industry guy. I'm like a marketing guy or whatever. So at E3, I'm usually there like doing business, taking meetings and stuff like that. Like there were several years I wore a blazer over a t-shirt and had that gamer guy look or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm also uh, secretly way more of a gamer than a lot of marketing dudes or whatever that I know. And so I would carry my 3DS into E3 with me. And one of my favorite memories is I, I never knew if this was staged or if it was because they were there is getting Street Pass tagged by Nintendo executives whose names I recognized. It's like, oh, Awada-san is on my Street Pass queue. Like, what no, the that, fuck? That was for sure legit. Like, that would happen at E3. Yeah. Like, Reggie um, is in my queue. Call, yep. Like, oh, wow. The, you goddamn, know? the goddamn brown shirts. Um, yeah. The only people who had brown shirts... Um, you would have to walk past them individually. So as as an industry person, but who's also a Nintendo fanboy, the, to me, that was like a really cool, special moment where like, and it was one of those things I got back to my hotel. I'm going to check who I street passed today, right? And I look and I'm like, holy shit, like I'm clearing out my street pass queue. Like this is the coolest thing ever. So uh, very cool industry 3DS moment for young Matty Al. People used to go to PAX and just lay on the... At PAX, they have, like, beanbag cushion mm-hmm. uh, yep. C. Play and people would just lay on there and just clear out street pass queues perpetually. Yeah. Well, especially before so they many people would go by. Size. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. See, I could talk about 3DS forever, Chris. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So what's your favorite 3DS memory? Let us know. Go to vidigameapocalypse.com. Answer under the comments for episode 413. Alternately, you can uh, visit the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Or ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, and we will collect the best answers and read them on next week's show. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go with some plugs. Micah, is there anything you want people to pay attention to? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, go check out PlayMagicLegends.com and download Magic Legends for PC. It is free to play and awesome and in open beta right now. So check that out. Otherwise, uh, follow me on Twitter uh, at Dash underscore Reindeer. I'm talking about Magic cards most of the time probably these days. Uh, but maybe I'll, I'll put a little Monster Hunter in there too. So. There you go. Um, listen to Laser Time's Erotic Thrillers episode out right now, hopefully. And um, Dan Amrick's anecdote about his Hollywood big break when he's a child actor being in the most erotic film of the year. <laughs> Involving him. Sorry, I don't know if you listened to it. Dan Amrick has the uh, least sexy scene in the sexiest movie of the decade. 
there's a. Is it, am I boring everyone? I can't hear anyone. Well, was it? I mean, he he. he yeah, it's he farts during nine and a half weeks, right? It's, it's... <laughs> he farts in a movie where everyone is fucking all the time. Well, so I mean, that, that, the sex scene was a food scene, Chris. What do you think happens after you eat all that food during the sex scene? You got to have. Oh, I guess I guess maybe our cherries gassy. I thought that took forever to digest. I mean, anything can be gassy but, if you try hard enough. Yeah. So. But uh, but but in terms of like, if you want to hear some things dispelled about the industry, great bonus time. patreoncom slash time. But uh, the erotic thriller, which I continue to posit, warped all of us, made all women obsessed with true crime murder, because all of our all of our official porn was tied to murder and movies. Uh, porn on the internet finally became like, oh, are you stopping in my town? I can not pay anything for this. <laughs> erotic thriller was the maximum fort of tit- titillation for like fifteen fucking years, mm. and it ruined all of us. So that's what the show is about. Sorry, Micah's game is more important. <laughs> uh, I'm going to plug two non-Laser Time podcasts, of which I was recently a guest. So you heard from J.R. Rawls in this episode. I yes! recently appeared with him on Talking Terrific Television. Me too. All about the, 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 the episode Sopranos. of us, Sopranos of oh. Second Opinion, which is on this week's 30, 2010. I talked with J.R. Uh, all about on talking traffic television. Yeah, I, I did the episode. It was season four, episode one, which uh, is the one where Christopher episode. may or may not learn who his father's killer is. We, you know, it's it's kind of and has one of the greatest endings of all time. Yep. So uh, that's so talk about that. And then I was also on a. I was also on a new podcast series called uh, Tanglers in the Time Machine. It's one of my friends uh, from back in the day. He just started this up where it's kind of like a 30-20-10 type deal. It's a time capsule thing where we go back in time, uh, we pick a pop culture event, and we talk all about it. I was recently on there talking about WrestleMania 1. So uh, look them up. That is Tanglers in the Time Machine. I, I love talking about WrestleMania 1 because like, it's like you get to mention Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, and then... Muhammad Ali and Cindy Lauper and and, and Mr. T Liberace. Yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, I just like to plug COVID vaccines. Uh, I just hey! just got mine and I do not feel woozy or lightheaded. Maybe a little bit. Uh, you should get one. It's it's the smart thing to do. I've had mine for for three weeks. Check uh, CVS or Walmart or Walgreens if you're in America. CVS has been the most stable dependent website I've seen, even though I didn't get the vaccine there. I check for all my friends. CVS, check it out. If uh, you have a neighboring county that's giving you the vaccine, that means they have extra. Do The best thing we can all do right now is to all get vaccinated as soon as possible. If you see an opening, don't consider it like, oh, that's an old person dying. They've had access nope. for four months. And, and don't and think about it. Like if that. You, if you get vaccinated, you're saving an old person. So think about right. it that way. Like, right. You are. What you're doing is fighting some red state, red hatted idiot who will never get vaccinated and spread the virus everywhere. And you're fighting him or her. It's him. Let's be honest. <laughs> but uh, but fight those people. Get the vax, and we can all be open mouth kissing at Dave and Buster's in no yeah. time. Well, as an added bonus, we'll all get amazing 5G cell phone reception. It'll be great. It's true. It's true. The Microsoft Surface. Let me talk about it. You wonder why we talk <laughs> about Game Pass so much. Phil Gates is just a great guy. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. That just he is and, and, and way too sexy for a seventy-year-old spectacle man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and uh, Bill Gates is too fuckable, despite naming 
his company after his own penis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His own penis, micro and soft. Stealing Kevin Nealon jokes from five years, 15 <laughs> years ago. Yes! <laughs> Get it! Uh, anyway, as always, visit us online at vigigameapocalypse.com. Uh, and on Twitter at VG Apocalypse and, uh, follow me personally on Twitter at Wikiparas. That's W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z for occasional jokes and witty bon mots. Uh, anyway, that's been our show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. I also do kind of miss like just going out at lunch and taking a walk around the dingy ass neighborhood and being like, oh, look, somebody ran over a rat so many times that it's actually crushed into the asphalt. Anyway, time to eat a crunch wrap.